I don't even know what day it is anymore. <laughs> Fourth. Um, <laughs> thank you. The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are our own or those of our guests and in no way represent the views of the companies, associations, or organizations that any of us may work for or represent. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they were told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Ident. You're listening to Squawk Ident, an aviation podcast that explores the many pathways to an aviation profession, the challenges that a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, a professional airline pilot currently flying for a U.S. legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. Welcome aboard Flight 118 of the Squawk Ident podcast, recorded on the 4th of September, 2022, from the Mobile Aviator Sound Studios, aka Studio 517, on the fifth floor of the Maui Coast Hotel in Kihei on the island of Maui. On today's show, I'm joined by Alex and Rob. Together, we will discuss the busy skies, simulator shenanigans, overweight landing, summertime weather avoidance, overworked and tired pilots, how to deal with the stresses of taxiing flight schedules, and what happens when you hijack a King Air. All this and more on this, the 118th episode of the Squawk Eyed In podcast. Before we begin today, I would like to again thank Captain Greg Jones for joining me on Flight 117, Leadership Toolbox. It was an honor to share such a memorable trip with you, sir. Thanks again. In this profession, every once in a while, you get to be a part of a flight sequence that will stand out in your memory, as long as you have the ability to recall it. For one reason or another, it could be because the experience at the destination that was new to you and different, or it could be because of a crew that really connected as a group. Or maybe it was a near disaster moment for which every time you tell the tale, the fish just gets a little bigger. Either way, hang on to those memories and appreciate them as they unfold. For inevitably, there will come a day that you can no longer be able to sit at the controls of a magnificent flying machine. For when that day comes, ask any old timer aviator, the memories that you will cherish most will be the ones that you can still recall with a mind that will undoubtedly challenge you to do so. Joining us today is superb aviator and Squawk Ident co-host. He is a former international and professional racquetball champion, a member of the 9G Club at AMP and Avionics Tech and RC Aircraft Commander, boat skipper, commercial drone operator, and currently an Airbus pilot for Legacy Airlines. The name that we use here on the show is an alias to our employer, a U.S. mainline carrier. Joining us from his home podcast studio, where he's recovering from his recurrent training event. From somewhere in Flower Mound, Texas, help us in welcoming our very own Mr. Rob D. Rob, how you doing? Well, hello. I'm doing good. How's it going? Ah, doing good. Glad to have you back, and I'm really excited to hear about your uh, recurrent training. Back. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you all about it. Uh, I'm, I'm. I think uh, everybody can learn from my mistakes for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, it was successful. It was a successful event, and um, good for another year. So. Fan- here I am. Well, we'll talk Fantastic. about Fantastic. My favorite word. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> and also joining us today is another exceptional aviator and flight instructor. He is a U.S. Navy Reserve's Chief Information Systems Technician, an Embraer 175 pilot for Sandpiper Regional, the alias to one of Legacy Airlines' wholly owned regional airlines. 
joining us from the Clarion Mobile Studios on the fourth floor of the DFW Airport Clarion Hotel. Help us in welcoming back to the show, Alex DePilot. Alex, how you doing? I'm good, Tony. I'm good. Uh, ready to be here. It's been a while since we've uh, recorded, so I'm uh, happy to be back. Yeah, and you're at work uh, at the at the hotel. Are you at a at your own hotel, or are you at a company issued hotel? How's that working? I'm at a, cra- uh, a crash pad. I'm at a uh, commuter hotel. We get uh, four of them a month, so I'm using uh, nice. one of them. Well, actually, I've used two of them just to sit on my reserve uh, days. But I'm at a hotel, not in a bag room this time, so that'll be fun. Yeah, a little, little more <laughs> cool. privacy, a little some quiet time. Yeah, good, better Wi-Fi probably, yeah. Well, good. Well, I'm really looking yeah. forward to uh, to chatting with both of you gentlemen today. Uh, pretty crazy flight schedule happening on my end this week yeah um yeah it's just it's been go 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 uh, from the last show we talked mm-hmm. about how uh, i and captain jones went to Suriname, uh did some some red eye flying did some flying in, into airspace that was a little unfamiliar to us uh flying south of the border south not quite south of the equator we're still north of the equator by yeah. a bit, but really close to the equator uh, flying into a rainforest dealing with a ramp that doesn't have any kind of jet bridge or the terminal was basically a, a building that looked like from the 1900s. <laughs> but it was it was really cool, um, really laid back, uh, yeah. very small country. Only 600,000 people live there mm-hmm. uh, permanently. Wow. And yeah, it's, it's actually one of the smallest countries in South America. I learned a lot because of Google. Thank you, Google. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank God, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it was really a cool experience. Um, they drove on the wrong side of the road there. It was, oh, notice I say wrong side of the road because <laughs> yeah, you like, got to be careful crossing a street as a pedestrian. You might look the wrong way. Yeah, get killed. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> lot of mopeds and stuff, and people. You know, that's what that's because you got to be careful if you're walking on the sidewalk. It's the mopeds yeah. that'll that'll come by and snatch a <laughs> bag or yeah. something and 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 drive off, and you'll never catch them. Um, so yeah, you know, security was definitely mm-hmm. on our minds. Um, we kind of staked out the area around the hotel. Security was obviously <clears throat> a concern because we're in a foreign land. Uh, yeah. I never saw any kind of law enforcement of any kind. A lot of locals hanging out. A lot of people approaching us, talking in, in Dutch. Uh, and, and actually, their, their language that they speak there, their local language, that was a little bit different mm-hmm. than Dutch. Um, and so you're kind of... You don't know what they're saying to you. They could be saying, give me all your money. Yeah. You don't know. So yeah, uh, security was definitely an issue. We kind of stayed yeah. within the confines of the resort. Uh, we did venture out and go to a really nice restaurant inside yeah. an old fort that was built in the 1800s. Um, it was mm-hmm. actually a museum. Oh, cool. And we went there after hours. The restaurant was still open. They Security at every establishment, every major <laughs> restaurant or the shopping center, everyone had a security guard out front. So yeah. Always. And then I remember the captain uh, told me, he goes, you know, I'd feel a lot better if I was packing. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'd feel a lot better if you were packing too. Uh, (laughs) But no, we had a a good time. Um, And I went home from that trip, spent a few days at home, um, actually quite a few days at home, almost a week. And then I uh, embarked on this trip. Uh, what I wanted to talk about today was some of the heavy schedules that we've been dealing with. Now, this trip is a five-day trip, and I don't know why. I just, for whatever reason, the way I bid wow. in PBS, every Sorry. single trip I have this month is a five-day trip. 
Oh. Wow. It is one of the points of contention with the pilot group here at Legacy Airlines. Mm. Um, yeah. Hitting all the headlines recently, uh, you can see uh, pilots over at Legacy, pilots over at Delta, pilots over at American, yep. pilots, they're Southwest, all picketing yep. right now. They're, and they had a huge event on Friday and Saturday. They were picketing. They did. Um, they were picketing at headquarters and at airports. And my, I've had cousins and, and aunts all kind of text me or send me messages over the past few days. Are you going to strike? Are you going to strike? It's like, no, we're not striking. That's not how it works. We've kind of talked about that on the show here. We fall under the National Railway Labor Act, and it is actually illegal for employees of a transportation company like uh, the ones we work for um, to strike without a judge giving permission. How often do you think right. that happens, right? So, right. Uh, but the informational picketing is going on, and there's a lot of issues that are on the table. Um, the number one issue is these contracts. You know, we're flying with expired labor contracts, meaning there are no gains to our to our financial obligate the obligations of the company uh, to the quality of life, to all the benefits that we have. Meanwhile, the um, inflation is skyrocketing. Right, more than seven yep. percent. Last I heard. Uh, so, if we don't get any gains, we're actually it's like taking a seven percent pay cut, right? Go so, ahead. and and the more the company drags these labor negotiations out, um, the more you know it's beneficial for them because yeah. if the economy gets better or gets worse, they can use that as leverage. Now, before the show, Alex and I were talking a little bit about all these regional airlines every single day. Uh, there's an airline that has signed a tentative agreement or a TA with their labor union. Um, and Mesa Airlines is now on the books as being the highest paid regional airline ever. Mesa. That's incredible. You know, and they have a reputation. The fact that they're yeah. now the highest paid, that's kind of a, an oxymoron, <laughs> really. Um, so, yeah. and then, of course, 24 hours later, uh, a PSA said, oh, we're, we're going to be the high, highest paid. And now Horizon just signed an industry-leading contract. So it just seems like every single day, another regional is trying to outdo the one that previously announced some kind of gain in their labor contract. And yeah. why does this not happen at Mainline? And I think what, from what we, <laughs> Alex is raising his hand, like, I know, I know. Yeah. And what, yeah. what, we, what we were talking about was yeah. when you're at a regional airline, for most people, I think the goal is to move onward and upward up the pyramid, right? So For the you most can, part, yeah. You can make lateral moves. Yeah. You can make moves, kind of stepping stone moves to a, a major airline or a, mm -hmm. a low cost carrier mainline, with the end goal <laughs> being someplace, right? right? But when you're dealing with a legacy carrier, you're not going to leave, say, Delta to go to United. That's a lateral move, and you have to start all over again in seniority and pay. So there is no end goal. You've reached the tip of the pyramid if you're at one of these main legacy carriers, one of the four or five legacy carriers. You've, you've made it. So you're not going to do lateral moves. So it doesn't behoove the company to say, hey, we've got the best pay, at least not for that purpose, because pilots aren't leaving. They're not, they're not happy, but they're not leaving. And at the regional right. level, they're leaving. They're leaving like gangbusters. And how do we get them to stay? Let's throw money at it. All right. Well, that's that's exactly what happened with us when we were the first ones to come out 
it was mainly to, to really stop the hemorrhaging to go into all the ULCCs. Like you, you'd talk to guys left and right. And it's like, <clears throat> no, I've been here for, you know, a year and a half and I've already got a, a, a CJO over at spirit, or I've got a CJO over at frontier, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, <clears throat> they're just basically bidding their time so that they can get, 121 experience enough to yeah. where they can go to a and stay current uh, uh, lcc yeah. stay current and then <laughs> they go to the lcc for about the same amount of time if not a little longer to then go into one of the majors you know yeah. and they're just basically backdooring the back door yeah <laughs> yeah and just for those listeners out yeah. there that might not be in the industry uh, cjo conditional job offer uh, you can get one of these if you apply to a place and they go, well, we can't hire you right now, but we're going to give you a conditional job offer as long as you get so many hours or once you get, you know, uh, 500 hours PIC, then, you know, contact us and we'll get you an interview, that kind of thing. That's a conditional right. job offer. And L- LCC, a low cost carrier, low cost carriers in the U.S. at least, we're talking about uh, Spirit, uh, we're talking about Frontier, and um, what's the other one, uh, AirTran? JetBlue and yeah. Yeah, is actually Allegiant, maybe. Allegiant. Yes, Sun yeah, they're Country. still considered yeah. LCCs. Yeah, yeah, low cost carriers. Um, so to get onto a low cost carrier, that could be a career for you. You could be happy yeah. with the contract. Um, and and that's that's not a bad thing. I mean, you know, some people yeah. make a career out of staying at a regional. I have some friends that are still Absolutely. at Sandpiper, and uh, they've been there. 20 or 30 years and they're not going anywhere. Why? Why should they? Yeah. They make good money. They have good schedules. Yeah. They have good contract. Yeah. And now their seniority. Making, their yep. seniority is great. And now, <clears throat> now, check airman. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so some of these guys yeah. are making eight, nine hundred dollars an hour just to 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 sit and, you know, make sure that my ass doesn't crash us into the ground on <laughs> on IOE. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. and to be good. to be their children. You know, can you imagine? All right, this week, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. <laughs> yeah, right. They used to say the hardest when we got our raises, what's the hardest part about working for Sandpiper? And that's uh, choosing what color Raptor you want to buy. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. And, who, so, and who's going to get their ordered first, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, like, yeah. yeah, it's a joke that we're making money, a lot of money right now. And like, you know, I, one of the captains that I just flew with, he's like, man, when I started, I was making 38 bucks an hour. And I said, I'm not trying to gloat because by, by any means, like when I came into this, like I was going to make $52 an hour and be absolutely happy with it. You know, yeah. um, everybody has to pay their dues, but I understand why these regionals are doing this is because people are leaving, you know, they people need are people. finding ways. Yeah. They need people. The, the main lines need people like it's. Yeah. And if you can They're get finally at that in, point where they, they have to do something monetarily to attract people to the industry yeah. and to the company because up until this point who would come to work for a carrier that wasn't paying very well i mean you did but you know the the point is is that in the numbers that they need you know they're not getting the people that they need because yeah. you know the majors are just sucking the pilot pool from the regionals dry i mean there's like- I hear there's I not even an interview at some of these companies where you literally just apply and they go, okay, we got your stuff. You qualified, good. you're hired. You know, we're Tony, not even that's gonna... what it was that we were talking about yeah. uh, where you're like, what did P or PSA just come out with PSA and Envoy just came out with uh, 
for Air uh, Express Jet, all the pilots that work for them, if you want to come work for right. Piedmont or, or, or PSA or Envoy, that you just no, apply. No interview. They'll, yep, just yeah, no interview needed. Just apply because yeah. those two uh, regionals are desperately hurting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's too bad that Roger's not here today. He couldn't make it uh, last second. He was planning on joining us today, but he had some uh, family issues mm-hmm. with his uh, grandparents. He had to be there for them, support them. So you know, our hearts go out to uh, Roger and his family, and hope that uh, everything's going to be okay with them. But Roger, uh, if he was here, he would tell you from experience that uh, he too fell under a very similar situation about ten years ago when he was working mm-hmm. for uh, a company that is no longer was no longer <laughs> in existence so we we told everybody who we worked for it was express jet and then they came back into existence and now they're gone again um yeah. which is which is really bad uh, i hate to see any pilot uh, unfortunately on the street for that yeah. scenario playing out but um mm-hmm. he he had the similar thing the first time he was flying for the branded flying for express jet he did that for a very short period of time and then they end up giving him a leave an involuntary leave and when he was recalled they said, okay, you're going to come back for a week, and then you're going to be furloughed, and we're <laughs> shutting down. So he ended up not having that position anymore, and he was offered, uh, at least, to go to another carrier, no interview, just show up. Um, I think wow. it's, a, it's a smart move if you're an HR department for a regional airline. When an airline like ExpressJet, that is very reputable, uh, ends up closing their doors, giving those pilots the opportunity to come over you know they're trainable you know they're they're flying yeah. the line they're 121 certified it's it's kind of like getting that uh that big box of cool stuff at the garage sale and you take it home and you find all this really cool stuff inside i mean it really is just like shooting fish in a barrel for, for your pilot yeah. hiring so good job uh to psa for and P- and piedmont and envoy for announcing that they would hire express jet pilots uh with no interview um, if you're ever in that position in your career, um, it's not always going to be the case, but know that there are companies out there that will give you those kind of opportunities. Life is not over. Um, the days of, of uh, calm air, <laughs> where they just shut the doors and those pilots scattered like cockroaches trying to find a job anywhere, uh, they weren't given those opportunities. So it doesn't always happen. Uh, but most of the time, at this day and age, in this climate, in the airline industry it does and when it does it's actually very heartwarming to see yeah. but I, I did want to talk about um my heavy flight schedule this week this current sequence that i'm on right now uh ended up mm-hmm. uh flying out of los angeles uh i, I was mentioning <clears throat> earlier in the podcast that uh this month for whatever reason i got five day trips and they're all five day trips that touch hawaii somewhere and they all have a red eye in it and because they're five-day trips, which is what the company is leaning towards, they're supposed to have very few five-day trips. They're supposed to be mainly three-day trips, a few one- and two-day trips, and a few uh, three and uh, bulk of it should have been three- and four-day trips, and then very, very, very few five-day trips. Uh, commuters like five-day trips because they knock out a bunch of flight time, and then they commute home, and they're off for you know, an extra day or something. Um, and for me, I don't mind the five-day trip. But what I do mind is the reason it's a five-day trip because it's a red eye on day four and you land on day five. And those are right. tough, especially when you have to drive home an hour or two in traffic. It's, it's very tough. But this trip yeah. started out in Los Angeles and we flew coast to coast from LA to Orlando. There we had a very quick aircraft swap. 
and we flew from Orlando to Dallas. So it's more than a transcon. It's a transcon and a half. Now, there was weather over Dallas. There was weather over Orlando. And we had Wait, you flew, you flew from <laughs> L.A. to New York. To Orlando. Or L.A. to Orlando. Orlando. Uh-huh. Orlando to Dallas. And that was one, one day. day. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. These are, this is what you can. Doing that. Yeah. This is a mainline. This is what mainline flight schedules are looking like nowadays. In the past, it would have been one leg to Orlando and you'd go to the layover hotel. Yeah. But no, they can, if they can get you for seven and a half hours of flying and it's legal, they'll do it. They'll squeeze it in there. And of course, people Jesus. were holding. We actually went to min speed at altitude. We, we slowed it way down a green dot for those Airbus mm. pilots out there. We were flying <laughs> along at green dot because we didn't want to hold. Uh, that right. big thunderstorm, the summertime typical thunderstorm, it blew through the Orlando area. Uh, we were listening to people mm-hmm. holding and diverting left and right. Tampa got hit as well. Everyone going yeah. into Tampa, they got diverted. Um, and, and a lot of times they don't go to Miami. They go other places because Miami's yeah. already full with diversions. Yeah. Right? So we, Fort Myers or we snuck in. Yeah, we snuck in uh, right at the end, tail end of the weather. Uh, so the ground Please. was still wet when I was doing my walk around. Um, and we were able to you know, grab a cup of coffee, grab a bite to eat, some nice uh, some empanadas over at the Cuban. La Careta. No, this was in Orlando. This was at the oh. Uh, oh, Cafe oh, yeah, Cuba yeah. or something like that. Yeah, what's the name of that? That's the Cuban one there. Yeah, I forgot the name Zuma Cuba or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I always like going to that place. Good it's stuff. Same yeah. vibe as the La Careta. Definitely. You know? Yep. Good so food. Grab, some, grab some empanadas, uh, head back to the new airplane, met the new crew, new flight attendant crew, um, and flew from Orlando to DFW. Landed a little bit late. Um, again, made it after most of the thunderstorms rolled through and they routed us because of the thunderstorms that were riddling uh, DFW most of the day. They routed us from Orlando to go across the Gulf to pass Dallas, south of Dallas, and then hook up, hook up. Yeah. On the, from the West side, because the storms were all east of Dallas, Fort Worth. Mm. As a matter of fact, Dallas love was on a ground stop. When we took off, yeah. And uh, what day was this? This was on the first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That it, it was bad. I was I yeah, was here that rain. day because that my yeah. It was bad that day. Yeah, there was flooding going on. I mean, we were kind of keeping an eye on this, going, oh, maybe we'll stay in Orlando, you know. But we yeah. took off and we got this, you know, kind of long route. It was supposed to be, uh, you know, this routing going over to the west, coming in from one of the southwest posts, <laughs> as they say in the DFW area. In route, we got a reroute. And they had us on a different arrival that brought us in on the southeast post. So it took significant time out of our schedule. We thought, hey, that's great. We'll get into DFW not so late, right? So uh, as they gave us this new arrival, a couple hundred miles out, we started to plug it in into the FMS. The captain reviewed all the waypoints, and he briefed it. He briefed the entire arrival, the approach, the, the ATIS information. We just got it out of the way early. And as we started getting some of our step-down altitudes prior to the arrival, I thought to myself, it's wet. And the digital ATIS had breaking action 555. So I said, you know what? Let me run a land app because it could <laughs> potentially be wet. And as soon as I opened up the land app, which is an app on our EFB tablet that you put in the conditions at the field, 
the runway braking action, and it'll tell you with your weight, with the pressure, with the temperature, and the condition, how much runway the aircraft will require for landing. And as long as you have more runway available to you, you've done your duty, right? Measure it with yep. a laser, cut it with an ax. Yep. And the land app said, uh, you are over max landing weight. weight. And I went, <laughs> oh, and that little red flag and that little, that little red light went off in my brain and I went, uh-oh. So I quickly pulled the weight and balance paper and I wrote down the zero fuel weight. And mm -hmm. I looked at the FMS at the bottom where it says it calculates, you know, with your descent and on profile, how much fuel you'll have at landing. And I added the zero fuel weight to the landing, anticipated landing fuel. And it was 172,600 pounds. Oh, what's it? 172,519 or something 170, like that? 171, I believe. Oh. Uh, and my numbers might be off, but all I know is yeah. I was a, we were going to be 1,000 pounds over max landing weight at arrival. Wow. So I went, wait a minute. And the captain was like, what? And my captain this week is fantastic. Great guy. He goes, what? And I go, we're over max landing weight. He goes, oh, crap. He goes, I always check that. I didn't, with the change in the arrival, yeah. that, that's a good catch. I haven't catch. gotten to it yet. Yeah. That's a good catch, Tony. And meanwhile, ATC's talking to us, giving us you know, lower altitudes, telling us, you know, descend to this. And I'm like, I'm calculating, I'm calculating. And I go, do you want me to ask for lower? And he goes, yeah, we got to burn off some fuel. We can't, I don't want to have to hold. And I said, well, we're still kind of far out. We could probably do this. I'm like, how low do you want to go? And we looked at each other and kind of hesitated. And we're like, well. 12. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was a guess. 12. We were like, yeah, I don't know. Like, first we go, you know, 20. And he was like, no, nah, wait, probably 14. He's like, 12,000. 12,000 feet. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I said, uh, center, uh, we're at, mind you, we're at. 36,000 feet, uh, descending, you know, like 32, whatever we were at at the time. And I said, yeah, we're going to be too heavy with this reroute you gave us. Uh, we were anticipating the, uh, the full route. So, uh, we're going to need lower, uh, is 12,000 available. And they're like, uh, uh, uh legacy, uh, you, sure? you need 12. <laughs> yeah. It's either that, or we're going to have to go, uh, do some circles. He goes, Oh, okay. Uh, does I maintain 12,000? Let me know if, you know, you're going to be able to, that's going to work for you. I'm like, okay, we'll let you know. So he opened descent to 12,000 feet and, nice. you know, keep nice and dirty, get it down. And as soon as we level off, the FMGC recalculates your landing fuel. And I had written down on my scratch paper, uh, the maximum landing fuel that we can have right. to land legally, because really that's the only way to, to right. accurately calculate as a pilot without going into deep into the flight guidance control computer uh, and yeah. to calculate, you know, the actual weight. There, there's a display, but it tells you current weight. Yeah. It doesn't tell you what you're going to be. Yeah. So we did the math and, uh, and, and yeah, I, you just basically do the, the max, the maximum landing weight minus the zero fuel weight. And that's how much fuel we got to have in the tanks. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we calculate it and it said that we were going to be 200 pounds shy. Uh, nice. And, and they're like, uh, is this going to work for you? Um, and I was like, well, it, it's going to be tight because I then calculated we're going to, we're already low. We're probably going to start doing yeah. more descending. Throttle's going to go to idle, right? When you're descending. I said, yeah. uh, it, it might work. And they're like, all right, uh, turn right to three, six, zero. Let me know when you can turn back. <laughs> I was like, 
Okay. <laughs> they don't even want us. They don't even want it to be. They want it to be a sure thing. So we yeah. get a vector for about a hundred miles off course, and we're going now northeast of Dallas. And finally, the captain's like, um, "It says we're going to be about five hundred pounds under max landing weight. You think you think it's good?" And I said, "Yeah, I think you're going to be okay." So he turns back in, and of course. As soon as we get back on route, now they're giving us shortcuts because they, they want us to hurry up and get there. Yeah, yeah. So finally, you know, we get on with <laughs> approach control. They're like, yeah, we understand you're heavy. You're going to be okay. And I'm like, uh, well, we calculate right now that we're going to be 200 pounds under max landing weight. We should be okay. Yeah. And we always have options, right? We can throw the gear out way out there if we had to. Yeah. And sure enough, they, gave, they kept us on our scheduled path. They didn't give us any kind of short approach. We got on final. The gear came down about 10 miles out. You know, which is kind of dragging it in a little bit, and we're watching the fuel. The captain's like, "Dude, you calculated that. How did you calculate it so accurately? <laughs> we're we're a hundred pounds over max landing weight yeah. right now, but it says that we're going to land with two hundred pounds under max landing weight." I'm like, "Got lucky, I guess. I don't know." So sure enough, yeah. we're at five hundred feet. The call is five hundred. Uh, and what five hundred stable, stable target? Stable target. Five hundred sinking. Yeah, whatever yeah. you're, yeah, seven hundred feet. Whatever. So I went. 500, stable, target, sink 700, and you're under max landing <laughs> just at that moment. And he's we're like, at 500 feet. At 500 feet. And so we're like, yeah. I'm like, we had plenty of time. <laughs> That's so, crazy because sometimes you never know if the FM, FMGC uh, is accounting for that vector to nowhere also. Yeah. And usually the they are. Right. Yeah. Right. Because then, you know, you look at that and, you're, and they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to be uh, well under. And then you get, you know, then you make the turn and you're only like, you know, five miles, well, 10 miles out. And then all of a sudden you went from being well under to, you know, 500 pounds overweight. <laughs> like, oh, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the last thing you do, and what happens if you're at uh, 200 minimums and you look down and you go, we're over max landing weight. What is the proper yeah. response? Go around. Go toga. around toga. Go around, go around flaps. flaps, and then if you go want to do flaps too, if you want to do a soft go around at, at Legacy, okay. it's go around toga, toga set, climb, climb, climb set, go around climb flaps, set. go around flaps, flaps up a notch, right? Positive eight, positive eight, gear up, yep. gear up. All right, select yep. whatever. Yeah, we're going around. We're too heavy. Uh, what's the reason yep. for the go around? We're heavy. We're too fat. Too heavy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Y'all is... screwed us up. We're we're too heavy. We're too heavy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then who's to blame? Don't start blaming anybody. Just just yeah, we're too heavy. We're too heavy. Period. End the way story. it happened. Oh, if you it's didn't give me that vector. Uh... Um, so yeah, that was kind of exciting uh, to see that. I felt good about my pilotage um, ability. That was good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the captain you know, gave me a, a big kudos, a big pat on the back. Uh, he's like, "Good catch, man," because that would be embarrassing if we didn't catch that. Um, and I'm like, yeah, that's why there's two of us up here. And, and then we went on to, uh, to, to go to the layover, uh, got in, uh, 10 o'clock at night and stayed at the, uh, hotel there, the, the Hilton, uh, or was it Grand Hyatt? I can't tell. The Hyatt. The Hyatt. Yeah. The yeah. one yeah. At, at the airport. airport. At the airport, right. Or you walk across the street. Yeah. Right. So yeah, stayed the there Hyatt. and I'm checking in and I look up and I see a familiar face and it's Captain Hans. And we've had oh, Captain cool. Hans on the show multiple times. Uh, yeah. I'm like, bro, what's up? And so we, it was so neat to kind of see him and cross paths. And I know some people out there, some listeners might think that we all know each other. <laughs> and, oh. you know, there are hundreds of thousands of pilots out there uh, in this country that are airline-qualified pilots. And 
it, when you see a pilot that you know you have a i would say a friendship with and you don't see them in a while and you you kind of just like their their posts on social media occasionally and make a comment hey how you doing you looking good you know whatever yeah but then when you see them in real life it's it's just so cool um but we, yeah i looked at him and I was like, dude, what, what's going on? Did you get uh, stuck here? He's like, oh, no, we're, we're two hours late. Now it's going to be a short layover. And he looked exhausted. I looked exhausted. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. you've been flying for eight and a half, nine hours on duty for 14, right at your legal limit. Your five o'clock shadow turns yeah. into a 10 o'clock shadow. You look at each other and go, you look like shit, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's dangerous, man. I'm telling you. I I am. I'm, don't want to cut your story off, but I've oh. my last couple of weeks of flying, have been brutal. I mean, they really, I, I feel very, very mentally and physically exhausted at the end of beach flying day. I mean, there hasn't been one day, actually, I should take that back. There's only been one trip where I only had one leg home mm. on the last day, you know, kind of like a red eye, except it wasn't a red eye. Uh, but we left, you know, like seven o'clock at night in Portland and got to Dallas. That's a four and a half, five hour flight. Yeah. Um, and, you know, still get in at like 10 o'clock at night. Um, but, you know, I, I'm exhausted by 10 o'clock at night. I'm, yeah, you, 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 it's hard to rest for a trip like that. I mean, for a day like that, you know, but, you know, all the other trips together, though, are just brutal, man. I mean, you're just, you're, you're so exhausted. And this is kind of, your, yeah. One of the reasons that we have this podcast is so that we can get the information of what an, what a professional pilot can expect in today's marketplace. There was yeah. a time 20, 15, even 10 years ago when we used to look down upon slam clickers, right? Yeah. We used to say, yep. oh, that guy's a, or that girl's a slam clicker. You know, we got to go out yeah. and have a good time on the layover. You know, what's the point of doing this job if you can't go out and have a beer with your crew, right? You know, and, right, yeah. and there were those that were slam clickers that they're just like, no, I'm tired. And we we're yeah. always making fun of those oh, slam clicker, you know, whatever. And even Sully mentions slam clickers in his book. Yeah. Right. So you want to read about Sullenberger and he talks about it right there, I think, in the first chapter about slam clickers and how he, he was a slam clicker that night or whatever or the night mm -hmm. before. Um, and so now. Here I am, uh, you know, Rob and I at Mainline, uh, Alex just starting his career and in, in, in a very short period of time, he will be at Mainline, too, with, yes, the, way, he will. with the way things yeah. are going. So he'll be in his prime. And he's going to end up being a slam clicker like us. <laughs> right, Rob? Because we're exhausted. I was a slam clicker on my last trip, but, but yeah. not by not by choice, but just because of the way that the schedule was. Yeah. And yeah. like, it just, we got in late. Like, you know, yeah. you we get into Augusta um, on the first and like we were delayed two hours as it was. And like, I got in and it was like, no, it's time to go to bed. Like, yeah, there's yeah. no time to go out and, you know, go do anything. Cause yeah, we had a five o'clock show the next day, but like everybody was tired. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's okay. And now it's, next... it's acceptable, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's no longer it's looked just... down upon. Okay. Now no. everybody, they get it. And yeah. I think, I think yep. Netflix has a problem uh, also to, to contribute to slam clicking because I think <laughs> uh, I, I, I've flown with many, many a pilot and flight attendant crew that, it's like, hey, we're all together, uh, you know, the whole crew together. How rare is this? Hey, you guys want to go down and grab a margarita and, and you know, some hot wings or something and hang out? And they're like, yeah. oh, no, no, I'm watching my show no. on Netflix. Uh, Stranger thing. Yeah. Just got to finish it up. Yeah. Yeah. The, Lord of the, the new Lord of the Rings <laughs> is on. I've got to watch that. Uh, yeah. well, we yeah. we get at, at, uh, at Sandpiper, we get the at least 
the crew stays together and like is on the same sequence at least together throughout the whole period you know what i mean so like yeah. this last sequence yeah i changed I, I had a captain change uh halfway through on mine and then they actually i had to i got pulled off the sequence randomly we'll talk about it when i get on mine but like i got pulled off my sequence to get replaced so i mean like you get replaced here and there but for the most part the, the flight crew is the same all the way through yeah and that's something i miss nice. we, we do have that sometimes um on the on the airbus we rarely had that on the 73 uh although it did happen on occasion but um i've noticed on the airbus for uh, legacy at least uh, i've seen on the 319 trips tend to stay together a lot so I don't, I don't think you guys see that too much out in la the 319s maybe you do i'm not uh, sure yeah it depends Tony. on where i'm going i go yeah. through dallas and then as soon as i get to okay. dallas it's a 319 some of these like yeah smaller airports yeah yeah so yeah that that, that happened with us and um yeah it's nice to stay with the crew and you kind of get to know them and yeah. and it's even better when you fly with a cabin crew uh, that had been at uh, Sandpiper or one of the other regionals too, you know. Because then you had that. Because then you're like, oh yeah, we used to always go out, and they're like, yeah, you know. So then it's like, yeah, we're going out. <laughs> wow. You know, I mean, it, I mean, you know, barring the uh, the late arrival and the early go, but you know, if uh, that happens, which you know, we had that on the on one of our trips, so it was really nice to, uh, you know, uh, enjoy the company of uh, non pilots and, and just talk about regular life and and work in general as opposed to just uh <laughs> sitting around talking talking about eight flying with other pilots you know <laughs> i remember back in the day my dad when he flew for uh legacy on the on the uh dc10 this was in the early 90s you would be with your flight crew for the month like you would get your bid and it would be the same captain and the same you know five or six uh flight attendants oh, oh and i also got to include the the flight engineer because that's line bidding yeah the way they used to line bid yeah. yeah yeah and you you would get you would get the same crew for the month so like you know if we'd go travel with them like you know by like the second trip my dad's already talked about oh my wife and kids are gonna come blah 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 blah, blah. so by the time <laughs> like you know you're coming on the trip the whole flight crew knows about you and you know <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so but like those days are gone. Like it just, it, it, I guess it doesn't make fiscal sense to 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 keep the same people together. I don't know. I'm not a pencil pusher to to know all these well, things. Well, when it when yeah. it started to change, um, because over you as you mentioned at Sandpiper, you get to fly with the same crew for the entire sequence, um, because it if you only have one or two flight attendants, and it just kind of the destinations you're going to, you might only have one crew laying over at that destination a night, not multiple crews where they can, you know, have this whole mixture of crews going yeah. here and there so you might only have one crew staying at that destination so it makes sense to keep you guys together um and yeah. because you are line bidding meaning there is a packet for each base on each equipment Ooh. and you have the your set number of lines and you bid uh your preference or what you prefer to fly for the following month uh in the computer and you enter them into the computer in, in order so, like, I want line number one. If I can't have line number one, I want line number 10. And if I can't have 10, I want line, and so on and so forth. And you do this, and the computer will award it in seniority order for that uh, aircraft and seat. So the captains will go in seniority order, and then the FOs will go in seniority order. And you'll end up with a line for the month. Well, the flight attendants kind of do the same thing. And whoever you end up with, usually, 
at least for that sequence, you're going to have the same person. Now there's trip trading and stuff. And nowadays with technology, you know, you, they can easily have a different crew for, for multiple trips for the month. Uh, but for the, there was a day when we didn't have all this technology, we didn't have all this ability. And so you flew together the whole month and you really got, like you said, like your father was mentioning with those stories, you really got to know your crew. You got to know their families. Some people would like my wife baked uh, brownies for the crew. So everybody come on over their brownies and halfway through the flight, you're like, were these pot brownies? What happened? No, just kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we really got together and you got to know each other and you spent time together on the layover. And that was the biggest thing. I've mentioned this before is what I missed most that the biggest adjustment for me coming from the regional to the main line was that camaraderie that I miss the most because at mainline you're with the captain. You'll probably never see them again after that sequence is over, unless you guys really hit it off and like follow each other on social media. And then you might, you might end up on a, another trip together somewhere yeah. down the road. It could be years, but it, yep. it's really rare. Well, the flight attendants, they're going to be a whole new crew of flight attendants, every single leg, every single flight. <laughs> yep. And even if you're at the same layover, you're probably not at the same layover hotel because you might have yeah. a 30-hour layover. So you go to the long layover downtown, say, Boston, and they have a short layover because they're leaving first thing in the morning because they don't need the same rest that you need, right? Because they're not yeah. 117, they're 121 rest requirements as flight attendants. Now, if the flight attendant, the National Flight Attendant Union can put the flight attendant work group on FAR 117 as they've been lobbying to do so now for quite some time, then Which they rightfully deserve to be. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, they, they do. But then we might see uh, a little bit of the logistics of having the flight crews stay together more often. It makes yeah. sense, especially at the smaller airport locations where they might not have as many flight crews staying there. Um, but right now, they need less rest and they can work more hours. So um, very rare yep. is the time where you actually go to the same layover yeah. hotel, have the time to go out, not be exhausted, actually yeah. like each other, get along, find, have common <laughs> ground and go have a meal or yeah. a, an adult beverage and have a yeah. laugh and, and have a memorable moment. Yeah. Yep. Basically yeah. what it sums it up to is the company's trying to maximize their labor. And, you know, they have them working as much as they can whenever mm -hmm. they have them. And then, uh, you know, thankfully we are, as pilots, you know, subject to the rules of, uh, you know, 121, 117 stuff. So That's also yep. nuts to me that the, the flight attendants are still on the same rules we used to be on. And we used yeah. to be on those rules. Right. Yeah, where they're we antiquated. Have, yeah, less rest and, you know, more flying time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think some, some, uh, flight attendants, I think, uh, at, at a sandpiper at one point, they went to the me too clause, um, with the, with the pilot group. So when it, whatever the pilot had, the flight attendants would get on that sequence. So if they had pilots had 10 hours rest, well then the flight attendants would get the 10 hours rest. So, yeah. but you know, I'm, I'm not too spun up to speed on <laughs> what's going on with their work rules and um and, and that's and that's one of the that's one of the the unknowns anyway when we when we're sitting there you know working delays uh at legacy you know because we know what we're when we turn into a pumpkin you know because we have all that information on the 117 app um but you know you see you almost have to ask the flight attendants sometimes hey 
you know, I just met you five minutes ago and we're in a delay. You know, what's your, what's your duty day look like? Yeah. Cause you guys yeah. turn into a pumpkin at like 16 hours or something crazy like that. Yeah. And they could have been flying all day. Yeah. So. And flight attendants rarely, and this is something I just recently learned this year, flight attendants will rarely allow the company to extend them because unlike pilots under FAR 117, you can extend for whatever period of time you dictate up to the limit, which is usually at, at maximum two hours more. So mm -hmm. from 14, you can extend to 16 hours, but you can tell the company or the dispatcher or scheduler, whoever you're on the phone with, uh, yeah, I'm willing to extend, but only an hour because after that I'm, I don't think I'll be safe to continue or fit for duty. Um, flight right. attendants, if they allow an extension, they are extended indefinitely. Definitely. At least a, yeah. a really? legacy. Yeah. So yeah. They, they could have flown wow. know, 14, 15 hour duty and they could go to a 20 hour duty day because they've allowed the extension. And usually the only ones that do that, it's because it's their go back to base or go home leg and yeah. they just want to get there. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, they don't want to burn an entire day off. They've got family to be with. So I can yeah. understand that. But yeah, good question to ask, Rob. Uh, if you're delayed, ask the lead flight attendant, hey, are you guys legal? Or, yeah, what's your duty day? You could have four or five flight attendants back there, and they could be on different schedules. Exactly. And that's yeah. happened too. Or like the number three flight attendant is only legal for another half hour, and everyone else is legal for two hours. Yep. Yeah. So speaking of these schedules... Um, mm -hmm. what I wanted to get to, and we've been, this is great detail that we've been going over why we are so tired lately, why we're slam clicking, why are we demanding better flight rules and, and contracts and quality of life enhancements to our contracts? Um, it's these I know, issues. Cause I'm old and out of shape. No, is that not the right answer? No, well, okay, you sorry. are old and out of that, shape. That sorry. plays into it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. That's just a All fact. Right. <laughs> okay, sorry. Continue. So, well, day two of this trip uh, was uh, actually day before yesterday. Dallas to Washington, D.C., DCA. Washington Reagan yeah. Airport. Uh, I hadn't done that in a while. It was, it was really cool. The captain goes, hey, uh, I haven't been there, D.C.A., in a long time. When's the last time you were there? I'm like, I don't know, like four months ago. He's like, all right, so you're like, I was like, oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> No problem. People get so I mean, wrapped I used, around the axle about that. I stuff. used to do. We used to do that uh, LaGuardia, the DCA shuttle, like three times a day. <laughs> That's what I tried to do. You know, so I had a smoke event. By the way, we could probably talk about just rekindled some memory in my. <laughs> oh well, okay. In my brain. Smoke, smoke event. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna talk about yep. that. So, yep. so this uh, DCA, uh, we I wanted the river visual. I wanted to do it. I just want. I love doing the river visual. Um, but no, they were landing on Mount Vernon visual runway one, which is just as much Ew. fun. So, you know, of Ew. course, guess what? We were the last airplane to land in that direction. <laughs> they switched the airport around. <laughs> like, damn it. So, yeah. so we come in and, you know, uh, we talk about landings all the time. You know, you can have a really great flight, everything you were like dodging weather and working really hard and diligently to get better altitudes, to keep it smooth for your passengers. And just you're working so hard. And then it, you come down, you're going to touch down, and you're like, oh, my God, it's going to be a good one. And all of a sudden, <laughs> and you're like, damn it. And that's all the people remember. How's that again? <laughs> How's that again? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's a bad terrible. One. It's a bad one. So and that's all people remember. Right? So, But in yeah. some weeks, it doesn't matter how many hours you have, the 10,000 plus that I that I have. How many, how many do I have? I don't even remember, but it's up there. I don't even know. Um, so you have to add up all those little red books you got. I, Go ahead. Well, yeah, I do. <laughs> 
I, got, I haven't done that in a while. Uh, but so it doesn't matter how many thousands of hours you have. We all have these weeks or days or even months sometimes where you just can't get right. And yet, uh, yeah. it's kind of blurry, but I see you got your book there. You're, yeah, it's yeah. like you got Still your, keep up your with Jefferson it. professional those uh, at, logbook there. Yep. I keep those at home. Um, That's number two for me. Wow. Ooh, yeah, nice. Um, so yeah, so we, uh, so I come in and I, I totally grease this landing. Like it's a short field, uh, to begin with, you have to run landing distance computations. You have to make sure mm -hmm. you have enough runway in your current configuration. And I nailed it. And like, there was a line of airplanes and I felt totally vindicated of my ability of, as a professional airline pilot, nailed the landing, nice, smooth rollout. Captain goes, damn, dude. I'm like, yeah, we should have competitions. I should have, I should have bet you a beer or something on that one. <laughs> so uh, it was a turn for us. So we go to the gate, aircraft swap. Things have changed in DCA. Have you guys been there lately? A little bit. Uh, I was just there two days ago, but we kept the airplane. So uh, Alex may not yeah. remember before there was TSA at every single terminal. So if you oh, had to wow. go from gate. Every, every extension. Every extension. TSA. Had, had a TSA checkpoint. So if you had to go from yeah. one gate to the next extension or next terminal over, you had to go outside of security to go through security again at the next extension. Oh. It was a pain mm. in the butt, and it made yeah. connecting yeah. kind of difficult time-wise. Well, they've moved the TSA checkpoint to upstairs. So now, mm -hmm. when you come in, you, you go through a main hub TSA checkpoint, and now you can go from one terminal to the next without having to go in and out of yeah. security, which is... You mean like they do at every other airport? Pretty much. Pretty much. But you got to yeah. keep in mind, yeah. DCA yeah. Uh, is a really old airport. It's been around a long time. Yeah. The actual original terminal is still there where they filmed uh, Catch Me If You Can and all that stuff. That's all mm -hmm. still there. That's part of the JetBlue uh, experience. Uh, but <laughs> um, there's a museum there. Highly recommend uh, anyone that has time to check out the museum at DCA. They do have some pretty cool pilot uniforms and flight attendant uniforms on display out there in the terminal. Um, really nice mosaic as well at the entrance. Um, many movies have been filmed there. Really cool. But so we, we ended up swapping airplanes and leaving DCA pretty close to on time. And we just couldn't, the whole week, we couldn't catch up. And we left DCA, went into Phoenix. Now, Phoenix was being riddled with thunderstorms. And I posted mm. a few pictures on the, the social media, on Instagram, of some yeah. of the lightning that I was able to capture um, by setting my phone up on the dash and just hitting video and we did our thing, and then I hit stop when it was time to get back to work. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience. We landed, um, went to the short layover, and finally got back on schedule. So the next morning, uh, the captain uh, says, yeah, my wife's coming with us to, to Maui. It's a 30-hour layover. I'm like, hey, great, fantastic. So I got to, to meet her, a real nice lady. Um, and then we get to the gate early in the morning there in Phoenix, getting ready to go to Maui, and two of the flight attendants. The number one and the number three. We're like, hi, guys. Our husbands are coming with us, too. So we're like, oh, cool. That's really nice. It's this is like affair. a family event. And so, I wonder if they're going to send a big bus, bus for us. Exactly. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Exactly. No, story, that's, that's, that's perfect. That's mind. great minds, right? <laughs> so uh, Captain goes, I wonder if I should call the transportation company to have the big van oh, you know, instead, of the, instead of the whatever. I'm like, they usually have the big van in Maui. You know, it's the... Sprinter ran or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, and so he called and he said, Hey, are you going to have enough to accommodate nine instead of six? And 
And I'm like, yeah, 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 no problem, no problem. We can take up the ten people. Oh, that's good. So it was it was kind of <laughs> cool uh, to meet to meet the families, you know. And and yeah. here we are in Maui. Awesome. Yay. So what's how many... the weather report? What time is it right there right now? Oh, uh, the weather. Oh yeah, the weather is uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> it's sunny with a chance of rain that's about it that's about it every day and wind 365 days out of the year yep. yeah uh, i was exhausted how many time zones did i fly into six a lot oh yeah you just i go crazy with one or two and you just went about four where well, you went from six yeah three four yeah. or five six yeah Jeez. pacific time east coast yeah. time central time and now hawaii time so yeah yeah so now today, that's brutal. I got up, and of course, one eye started opening around I don't know, about five a.m. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, about five. I was tired. <laughs> yeah, you know? and I went, uh, nope, closed it back up. <laughs> it's tough because your heart starts racing because you're like, oh, I gotta sleep, gotta sleep, but you're tired. Yeah, but you know, yeah. you got to get that rest. Yeah, yeah, that jet lag is no joke, man. Yeah. I, so, I don't know so how what's those the point? heavy pilots do it, and you know yeah. I don't know how you international guys do it. I can't do it. What's the point of all this? What to expect Jeez. when you when you're choosing a career in aviation? Now, if you're flying in the local airport and you're doing some, you know, hopping, hopping, whatever, what do they call them? Jumper dumpers, you know, up and down all day, same airport, home every night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, there's oh, a yeah. lot of value to that. Quality of life wise, but if you're going to go mainline international, you're, you better get used to the disruption in your circadian rhythm. And coffee will be your friend. Yeah. Or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Red Bulls. <laughs> yeah. I've been drinking Monsters. those monster energy, monster. energy drinks. Oh, those are not. Those <laughs> I, got, are so bad I got one on standby for tomorrow. Oh, um, those are so bad. Yeah. Get some pre workout. They are. Pre workout will make your face tingle. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, I see that's uh, the thing is I can't I take like pre-work or I can't do yeah. pre-workout because then I'll start tingling and have to yeah. work out. And if I do that, like first thing in the morning, <laughs> if I'm going to the airport, yeah, that's going to be me. It's just going to be sitting there going, "Hey, hey, are we ready? Can we, are we going to go somewhere? But is it today? Yeah. Today's the day. I'm fine. No, the airplane's home. all jerky. You're all like yeah. on the controls. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Man, not endorsed or sponsored, but I love those white colored uh, Monster Sugar Zero Sugar Energy drinks. Uh huh. They, they're, they're just got a little more punch than like a Mountain Dew. Um, they make a whole yeah. bunch of different flavors. Oh, man. God they do have those so ones. Yeah, yeah there on, you go. That's a good a, one, too. It's the same one. It's You can't really see it. It's blurry, but it's a peach-flavored yeah. one. Nice. Yeah, I've had that one. Oh, it's good. Peach-flavored. They make a mango-flavored one. I didn't know they made Pepto-Bismol-flavored monsters. Oh, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> the, the, white, <laughs> the white can-ish yeah, ones can. that have like that have the the basically like braille it's like on textured it. yeah 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 the, all of those you ought to try ones, it tony you're out there working out yeah pretty mango good flavored yeah. and the peach flavors yeah. yeah and we'll be right back right after the break Let's get back to the show. <laughs> Rob, <laughs> training. You went through it. I, I went through it about a couple shows ago. We were talking about the changes to the to the curriculum. Did you mm -hmm. witness the same changes with your recurrent training on the Airbus A321? 
I don't recall what you mentioned about it, but yes, it was different. Uh, four days total time at the schoolhouse. Uh, first day was pretty uh, mundane with the normal security and, um, uh, you know, FOM review and um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, <laughs> FRM. FRM, is it? No, it basically where they... They talk about uh, human factors and stuff like that. And that was actually, I thought that was a good one because right before the human factors class began, they ran, they showed a, it was about a two or three minute video loop of all the little incidents and accidents have been going on on the flight line. And all these videos have been captured by, uh, you know, the still cameras that are uh, positioned on the uh, ramp towers and stuff like that. And some of them are pilot errors and some of them are, um, you know, happened by the ramp, but, you know, watching those videos, you know, you you start the, you could see what's going to happen, you know, seconds before, before it occurs. You're just like, Oh no, here we go. Right. And, uh, you know, some of it is complacency. Some of it is just bad luck. Some of it is bad timing, but I, I, uh, I think that is something that is always on my mind when I'm operating the aircraft is just your essay on the ramp and, you know, just be on alert as much as you can be because there's so many things happening. There's so many moving parts, um, especially when you do a walk around, you know, because when you do a walk around, you're around, around the aircraft and all the moving moving vehicles and tugs and and you can get, you know, you can get lost in there as far as what people can see. And they may not, even though you're wearing a safety vest, but so is everybody else, you know, you're you're just going to get trapped and you can get hurt. But anyway, um, moving on. Yeah. I did the, uh, the three days of SIM. Um, first day was what the first look, I guess they call it where they retrain you and and make, get you spun up to speed on, on everything. And I got to tell you, I, I don't know how, how long I, I mean, how much I can review, you know, the FOM and, procedures and everything like that it you can read that thing for four years straight <laughs> till you get in the sim you know you're you just don't know how to do it you know yeah. and luckily you know we we get trained to standards and we get you know it's pounded in your head pretty pretty well so that when you go out on the line for for 12 months and you come back at least you have a fighting chance <laughs> on how to do it but it was so rusty I mean, it was so bad, you know, I mean, I haven't done a real go around, you know, in a year. I mean, the the last go around was, a, it wasn't even a full go around. It was, you know, more of the cancel landing clearance, you know, maintain 2000 fly runway heading. Mm-hmm. So we just leveled off runway heading, you know, and just yeah. spun up the speed and cleaned up and kept going. Um, so, you know, to have to go through the whole, you know, go around litany, um, you, you know, run it through your head, it, it, it comes out pretty easy, but then when you go on the flight, uh, you know, in the, in the simulator and to add a little bit of, uh, complexity to it, the captain I had was new to the airplane too. This was his first, um, recurrent on the Airbus and it was, his, he was, he's a new upgrade too. Mm-hmm. So he's been flying heavies for forever. So he's pretty senior, but he is his first go around as a captain. And um, first time on the Airbus in in recurrent. So, as you all know, being in the CRM environment uh, and with all the callouts, 
there's a cadence to everything, you know? So go around toga. You're waiting for the guy to say toga set, climb, climb set, go around flaps, flaps three, positive rate, gear up. You know, there's a whole almost like a challenge and response thing that you're waiting for. Right. Well, I got nothing the first (laughs) Uh time. I was like, go around toga, you know, and I'm waiting for him to say toga set. And I go, Hey dude, is toga set. He goes, yeah. And I go, okay, climb. And I'm like, okay, go around flaps then. <laughs> you know, it was one of the first go around. And, it, you know, we just kind of got through it. And uh, and then he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm supposed to say something on that. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of it's a go around. Everybody's supposed to say something. Yeah. You know, he's like, wow, you know, in my head I was saying it, but I guess it wasn't coming out. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah, well, you know, I was kind of, and it screwed me up because I'm waiting yeah. for him to, to, to say something. And I, I did do the, the toga back to climb right away. Cause we didn't need all in, you know, all that power. Yeah. So you don't have to wait for him to say toga set before you go back to climb, but he has to at least say it. And then, you know, but anyway, long story short. So we, we moved on and went around, went, went on. And, um, I did, I did a, uh, a single engine go around that went, didn't go so well. Oh no. I mean, it, it wasn't, it didn't go well. I, I've, I've, I screwed it up so bad. Um, and it had to do with the, uh, we were doing that JFK. I think it was the, uh, the V is it the, the RNAV, the three one. So basically it's like the Canarsie or an arrival approach. You fly over Canarsie, then used to follow the lead-in lights, the yeah. three one, the, the VOR, one right? There used to be the VOR, yeah. yeah, three one left or right. So yeah. there's a there's a speed associated with that turn because right. you know if you go too fast, you could overshoot the turn and everything like that. So uh, he called go around before we even got to. We were like three miles from the airport. Oh yeah. So he called go around to go around toga, you know toga set, go around uh, climb, you know climb set, go around flaps. You know, flaps three, and this plane is starting to accelerate, starting to accelerate, and we go through 210, 220, you know, finally, get, and we make the turn and go out, and, and you know, I'm like, and he's like, well, what'd you do wrong? I was like, well, it looked pretty good to me. <laughs> Except. <laughs> Except, and he's like, yeah, look at the speed on the turn there. I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, why is that not coded? as a speed in the database you know why yeah. can't they put that as a speed well it's an i gotcha no in the sim i remember that yeah i remember there, that it's yeah. like they'll tell you to go around and so what you have to do is pull your altitude pull and pull your speed so yeah, what happens is you pull speed yeah. so the airplane will not descend and the airplane will right. not speed up or slow down and then right. you've got to kind of wait to reconfigure until you've made yeah. the turn you've reached your your missed approach point basically or your yeah. or your visual descent point, either one. When you're straight and over the runway, now you're yeah. no longer on a arc, or right. a, or a what do they call those uh, curved radials or whatever they're for the, yeah for the yeah nav. So arc, you're yeah. you're no longer on a restricted curved path. Right now you're going straight. Right. Now you can go toga. Now you can do toga. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's what he recommended, and that's what I was like. Yeah, that's probably the best thing to do is just level off. Mm-hmm. You know pull pull out to pull speed and just kind of hang out there yeah until you get around the turn and then twiddle oof, your thumbs and kind of wait for it to happen so, yeah yeah but those are all the things it's nice to see in the sim because you know you know i mean i mean right. 
it isn't that you didn't know. It's just those, there's so much detailed information that you're trying to, you know, abide by that those little things just kind of, you know, yeah, it's coat, you know, whatever. Well, that's so anyway, when you're a pilot, a professional airline (laughs) pilot at at this level, flying a a 200,000 pound uh, metal building around, um, you, you process a lot of information quickly. Oh, and with that information, with that intake, you also have to act upon that information in a relatively Mm -hmm. quick manner. Not that we're giving out Jackie Chan awards, like you probably could Mm -hmm. have gotten for the whole when your captain did the toga before the arc and all that stuff. And yeah, yeah. you're going to give a Jackie Chan award for that. You know, but um, <laughs> you got to, you got to process that information and possibly in your case, it's a great example of preventing unnecessary or undue action until the time is right. And you got to take right. a breath, slow it down, re- have that SA that you were talking about go, okay, well, yep. we're not going to hit toga. We're going to, just follow this right. lead in until we get to the appropriate spot where we can actually start a climb. Yep. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. And then the, uh, the second, uh, second day actually went pretty good. I mean, so obviously the first look day was a good spool up day. Um, got us back in within standards and everything like that. And then uh, the second day was with the Czech airman maneuvers validation day. And uh, of course, you know, you're going to do single engine V one cuts and we actually did second segment, you know, uh, second segment engine failures and single engine go arounds and holds and stuff like that. I got to tell you, <laughs> I forgot how to do like a present position hold. Uh, it took me about 30 seconds to remember how, so I finally got it, but, um, you know, little things like that, you don't do them on the line and you see it once in the book and you're like, Oh yeah, that's easy. Uh, but you know, on the spot, you're like, I was like, uh, dude, remember how to do present position. I know we got to do a hold here. I don't yeah. remember you you select the top 1L or can you just select any of them? But anyway. Oh, walk me through it because I that, don't think I remember that. Present position hold. Yeah, so you just do 1L. Okay. 1L is, is like top left is where you're going the, from. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it'll say hold down there in the same spot as it says hold on mm-hmm. all the other fixes. Yeah. So when you hit select the hold, now it'll say present position. Oh, and you Whereas it. if you chose like one of the fixes down the road, Ah, um, it's so gonna ask of... you when you press it, it thinks you want to hold at that fix. Ah, okay. So, you know, obviously the top one is the one that's behind you. Uh-huh. So it's, you know, so if you select that, it's just going to think gonna that say, okay, wherever you are, let's hold wherever there. you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, those are the little things that you don't see in a year. And, uh, and then we were hold. then we're at, uh, 5,000 feet and mm. all right, present position, hold, boom, went into the hold. I dialed back the speed, the green dot, which is about 210. What's the max speed in the hold below 6,000 feet? 200. 200. Yeah. How did you, <laughs> but can we hold with flaps out in the Airbus? So that's what I said. I asked him, you know, I, I didn't say we were going to hold at 210, mm-hmm. but usually they'll say, you know, speed at your discretion or legs at your discretion, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then, um, you know, he was like, well, what's the maximum hold? I'm like 200 knots. I was like, but you know, there's also this, there's a, there's always a, uh, something in that reg that says, or whatever is the hot, the lowest speed for that aircraft. So yep. 210, 200 isn't the speed. It'll be that. And he's like, but you got to ask for relief on it. I said, well, I'm not sure if you have to ask for it, but if he's worried about it, he would ask, <laughs> he, there would be a, a speed discussion, um, on, and on the hold clearance. So. <laughs> so he's like all right fair enough <laughs> so 
but anyway, all in all, um, I made a lot of mistakes, but they were all just minor mistakes, you know, never crashed an airplane and big, tremendous learning curve there with, you know, the second time. And I think that's what happens with any new airplane. You know, the more and more you go through recurrent, the more you learn. Um, it was nice to see what the airplane does in certain situations because you do kind of forget, you know, the automation and, and how it works because it's so automated, but it's very complicated. Um, if you're, if you're not expecting, you know, I wouldn't say it's complicated, but if you're not expecting it, if you're expecting it to do one thing and it does another, then it, it, it'll catch you by surprise. Yeah, it'll be overwhelming. You know what I mean? It could be overwhelming, especially if you're, <laughs> you're trying to do it in front of a Czech airman. So, yeah. um, but anyway, it was yeah, a good I'm, learning event. Yeah. Thank you for sharing Four that days. with us. I'm, I'm yeah. using the uh, push to talk mute here on the computer because yeah, the staff here has decided to vacuum outside my door for the last 30 minutes. I'm like, I'm wondering what the hell kind of mess that carpet was immaculate when I was walking over it a while ago. But oh, geez. Well, let, let, well let's uh, <laughs> help me out here, guys. Uh, yeah. So, Alex, what yeah. uh, what's your composite line? Let's talk about you. you. You mentioned that you were on reserve last month. You're you know, a new hire at a Sandpiper and you're now on a composite line. What is a composite line? So a composite line is uh, where you're both on reserve and on flying. Uh, it's kind of the, the leftovers. Uh, it's technically still holding a line. So I am a line holder after a month of being on reserve, which is pretty damn impressive. Um, but the, it's basically the leftovers that people don't want after they get their real lines and they drop and swap and trade and do all the, the line holder stuff. Um, and then they have all these extra trips and those extra trips fill into composite line holder schedules. So that's what I've gotten. Um, I had a, a three day trip the start of the month. I came in on the first and <clears throat> went to Augusta, Georgia after, uh, that night, but we were delayed just like everybody else was that day in Dallas, um, went to Augusta overnighted then to DCA. I had my first experience into DCA which was uh, pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, my captain, since it was my first time going in there, uh, he took the leg going in there um, just, you know, so I could see it for the first time and kind of realize like, holy crap, like you're making a 25 degree bank turn 300 feet above the runway. So you did just before you're going to land. Yeah. Runway so, one nine then. Yeah. We did the river visual. We got to do the river visual instead of uh, the Mount Vernon, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so um but we got we got to do that uh and then i uh i, I did a, a quick swap out of dca and captain swap out of dca uh went to northwest arkansas uh overnight in northwest arkansas and then uh came back here the next day and uh, i've been on reserve uh yesterday or today and i'll be on reserve tomorrow so nice but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, you actually get to fly with occasional reserve sits here and there. Um, and, uh, like I actually have a line, I actually can like build a schedule and not have to worry about, you know, coming yeah. out and sitting in a hotel for very yeah. long. Yeah. And forgive yeah, me. I used to like, I used to like hybrid lines. Cause you know, you're, you still had all the benefits of a line holder, but, uh, you did have a couple of those reserve days sprinkled around in your schedule and sometimes they'd never used you. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, those were just extra days off. Now, in your case, obviously, 
because you're uh, you're Californian and you you got based in Dallas, you gotta probably be in place to uh, you know to get a possible assignment. But um, yeah, it's it's nice to have a composite line because uh, you get the best of both worlds, and you can trip trade and still do yeah. all the f- stuff that a regular line holder does. Yeah. And then yeah, your trips are all new too, because like you you get all these different trips that just kind of get thrown on your schedule. So I used to well, play that like, that game where you bid for a trip on your day off in open time the day before mm-hmm. your reserve. Most of the time they'd say, "Nope, sorry, you can't do it. You have reserve days." But sometimes they'd go, "Uh, yeah, okay, we'll give it to you." Yeah. Well, and I, I tried that um, when I came off of my uh, my uh, X and A uh, run yesterday. And there was an open trip to Monterey, which had a lost day. Uh, Monterey, Mexico, not Monterey, California. Um, and it had a lost day in Monterey, but I wasn't able to get it because they told me I needed to do something in the computer system, put myself on some list that they didn't know how to do it. So I called the pilot help desk and they didn't know how to do it. And the guys down in the crew room didn't know how to do it. So I just said, F it. Yeah, oh. it, I, I, I didn't know it's the 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 makeup list or something uh, like that I, yeah there's I a don't know. dex code for the put yourself on the makeup list and i think you could do it in a bars too the automated system yeah yep. yeah Option I, nine. I i don't know how to <laughs> i think it is it yeah for, i think you're right for us you know and the funny <laughs> but, thing is this um, that although the menus might be slightly different between carriers yeah. the men the the system that the holy owns for legacy that they use is the same system that legacy airline pilots use for the most part with those. So like our phone tree is almost identical. The crew scheduling phone tree is identical. So putting yourself on and removing yourself from makeup lists and sick lists and all that kind of stuff. A lot of it carried over for us and which gave us uh, flow through pilots a little bit of a benefit. And I could remember sitting in new hire class and, um, and, the pilots that were coming from other carriers or the pilots that were military pilots that were coming over from uh, the military, they were lost. They were like, wait, how do you do this? How do I, how do I list for a flight? And you could see the panic on their faces. Like when you're not going to teach us this stuff. Um, So yeah, we had a a couple of study sessions to kind of review the basics and I'll tell you, you're going to learn as, you know, Whoever's vacuuming outside my freaking door, <laughs> they're doing a great job, by the way. Like they, yeah, the, they're like say, right outside the door, wonderful. and then it turns off, and then be the cleanest so I, hotel. I unmic, and then it turns on again. It's like, what the, what? hey, you know, I'm doing I, a podcast I, over here. Come on, man. I, I, I think they heard that some guy came in with a, a, a broken ankle, so that they needed to make sure they got all the sand out from the hallway when he came in, because you know. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. So it must be all the poke bowls <laughs> sitting out there in the hallway. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. Gonna, it was, it was the, the guy that. carrying the poke bowls with the sand and the broken ankle that he just, you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Do you hear this? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can hear it. What the? It's yeah, not, they're really going It literally sounds at it. like they're in the, like, not, not even outside your door. It, it literally might be, sounds like they're in the room. I told my captain I was recording a podcast. I bet you he goes, here's 20 bucks. Go outside his door. <laughs> With the vacuum cleaner, <laughs> sit there for two hours. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but no, so I mean, it's the nice thing is at least like I can talk to you guys about like you know oh I you know on CCI how do I be able to access this or you know through some of the same similar apps. Obviously, 
remember when I was in San Diego and like, hey, what's the code for the 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 crash room door yeah, or whatever? Get the door. You're yeah. like, oh, just look on this. I'm like, I don't have that option, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. But at least yep. we have some of the same similar stuff, and you know, merging over eventually when I move up to to the yeah. big leagues. Yeah, and that's a know. big advantage that you have that any wholly owned pilot has coming over. I think we've talked about this before is just that whole, you know, it's not seamless, but it's a very, very easy transition over to a mainline side with, you know, how to navigate through JetNet and, um, mm -hmm. you know, the manuals and, you know, codes and listing and non-rep, everything is, it's pretty much exactly the same. It's funny because the the system that my dad used really hasn't changed yeah. to, to yeah. what you guys have to what we yeah. have. It's the Obviously, same the, the system. Little <laughs> yeah. Yep. The the little nuances of Sandpiper versus Legacy, you know what I mean, like the codes yeah. and stuff like that for what we do. But you know, it's it's nice on that aspect. I think Tony's yeah. uh, gonna go. Uh... <laughs> Tony's gonna go yell at a cleaning lady. Hey, we shut this thing on. off. I'm trying to get some sleep in here. I got a red <laughs> eye to fly tonight. And you're ruining it. I'm having to call fatigue. Uh, well, that's the that's that uh the little Lego guy commercial or the little Lego guy YouTube video where he gets in from the red <laughs> yeah, eye. Yeah, work, 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 work. Uh, <laughs> Contract. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. I I laughed at those when I was uh you know before I really kind of understood a lot of that stuff, but mm -hmm. now it's like. I, I instantly like all those little work, work, work things. Like my captain that I flew with on the, the, the first sequence before we captain swapped to DC, he was kind of like that one captain that like, so do you enjoy stuff? Do you like this? Uh, yeah. you know, it took him. Hollandaise? Until, like, the... Is it, isn't that a sauce? <laughs> so what do you think of the contract? <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh well, and section that's... six screw me <laughs> and, that, and that was kind of him was he was kind of just like a i would i'm not gonna say a stick in the mud but he like the first day he definitely like you know was a stick in the mud you know and then the the next guy that i got in dc like polar opposite like came in and like instantly we were joking you know yeah. like instantly we were laughing and having a good time and yeah. Like, I'm not going to say the captain sets the tone in the cockpit, but I mean, he kind of really sets the tone in the cockpit, especially for yeah. a new hire, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Once you get past yeah. that, that new hire phase, then you can start telling them off sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that'll go over great. Yeah. Yeah, when those yeah. probationary reports stop printing out at the bottom of the yeah. release, which, how do you do that now? Because we don't print releases anymore. No, like the captains uh, get electronic. You have to ones. go online. Oh really? Yeah, you yeah. go online and do it. Yeah. yeah, I had one of my captains who like we got along really well. And I was like, "You mind writing a probationary report on me?" He's like, "No, not at all. How do I do it?" <laughs> How do I do it? <laughs> By the way, well, I don't know if you noticed. Somewhere, I, I got up out of my seat and I and I I walked over to the door and I went outside my hotel room. I'm like, "What the fuck is going on here?" The guys, <laughs> the guys got this huge machine out there. They're scrubbing the carpets. They're cleaning the carpets. Oh, they're doing that. Oh. They so I, I can't go out there and go like, dude, been vacuuming the same. You tell them you spot. got a red eye tonight. Well, yeah. I will. I will be off. taking a nap after this. After I go get a brace yeah. for my ankle and um, drink some chamomile yeah. tea, light some candles, and set the mood. 
Take a I was nap. like, Tony's got a nice romantic Put some song. rose petals mm-hmm. in the bathtub. Yeah, got it. Oh, that sounds good, Rob. I might do that. I might take a bath. <laughs> Lavender. It's bubble bath. I'm going to get some bubble bath. The ABC store. Hey, listen. Some Hawaiian. Don't knock it until you try it. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? I'm just taking a bubble bath. Oh. Getting ready for my red eye tonight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> play some what, right Marvin Gaye. Oh, <laughs> All right. Well, what uh, I, let's, let's please, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yes. Let's please. Yeah, we're going down. We're going downhill fast. <laughs> She's going down. Uh, speaking of going down. Uh, so yesterday I was sitting there in the yeah. lobby. I went down to the lobby in Phoenix a little early because I wanted to grab a cup of coffee other than the crap that's in the hotel room. I'm sorry that that stuff just isn't that good. So I, there was a Starbucks in the lobby. Not that Starbucks is anything good, but uh, so I got that and I got a breakfast sandwich and I'm sitting there in the lobby and I'm actually uh, taking down some show notes for this show and, you know, communicating and sending text messages out to all the guys here and to say, hey, what are our schedules like? When can we do this? And on the TV over my head was live breaking news and allegedly someone stole an airplane from an airport in Mississippi Flew it around for five hours, called 911, told them that they were going to crash this airplane into the Walmart. They evacuated the Walmart. They actually evacuated two townships. And uh, there are some other pilots that were uh, speaking with him over the radios, trying to talk him down, get him not to do this. Um, He posted some things online. Just one of those things that it's unfolding. And as a professional aviator, you're sitting there in disbelief that this is happening and you ask yourself why does this keep happening we saw this happen years ago in seattle when a ramper stole a q400 turboprop yep. and did the same thing basically yeah you know so so it leads us to the question of how do people with mental health issues gain access to aircraft before we get into that and ask those questions let's listen in on what was reported this person on board this plane came so close to a successful landing, according to Tupelo police. They were on the phone with this person on board, and they were able to connect him with negotiators over the phone, police negotiators. And then the police brought in, according to their most recent accounting, another pilot to try and talk this person flying this stolen Beechcraft King Air back to the Tupelo Regional Airport. And he came within 100 feet, police say, of making a successful landing, but then added the power back in and went back around. That is when the pilot of this stolen plane flew to the northwest and continued on. Police had a gap there where they were not able to remain in touch, according to what federal authorities tell me, a government source tells me. They lost touch via phone with the person on board this plane. And then... That is when the plane, they think around that same time, it was running out of fuel around 10 a.m. Central Time, crash-landed into a soybean field. We have heard that the plane is mostly intact. Witnesses in Gravestown, Mississippi, describe that the person on board this plane came out with his hands up and then was immediately detained. It's so interesting, Sarah, possibly the best possible scenario, the best possible outcome of all of this. Nobody on board seriously hurt. Nobody on the ground seriously hurt. This person who stole this airplane was a lineman at the Tupelo Aviation Facility. He's a fueler, meaning he fuels airplanes. And police also said the plane was fueled the night before. So they knew eventually it would come close to running out of fuel, but they were able to make contact 
with this person again via phone in which he informed police he was on the ground and the incident was essentially over. It is pretty incredible, um, the, the outcome of this, that he was just 100 feet off the runway. He is now being charged with grand larceny and making terroristic threats. Get him out of here. Because you'd be in jail. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Let me pause this. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole wild. You know, that's, so. That's crazy. You know, and we, we talked about airport security. Um, we've talked about uh, when you see something, do something. It's a little bit different than what we're used to hearing. You know, you hear, see something, yeah. say something. And we say, see something, do something. Um, not the first time a lineman has taken an airplane. Um, no. Stolen an airplane. Uh, made terroristic threats like this. I'm going to crash this plane. Uh, said goodbye to their family. Thankfully, in this scenario, it all played out. I was watching it live. Uh, that was, a, by the way, a CNN news report. I'll put a link in the show notes for those uh, that want to you know, dive a little bit more into the story. But, you know, it, it hit a commercial airline or an airport like LAX or Dallas, the restrictions and security that's in place and the cameras everywhere. Like I've never seen an unauthorized person walking around on the ramp. No, you know, I've, I've yeah. never seen that, but with general aviation and even in the corporate aviation side, there are security measures in place, but sometimes it's just a, a key code lock on the fence. Yeah. Like at your old airport, Alex yeah. in Riverside, uh, they're just uh, one, two, three, yeah. one, one, two, <laughs> three, and one, two, three, four, and well, turn. We used, we used to do uh, discovery and group on flights, and you know, we'd give people the the gate code that wouldn't change, so they could come in and you know, yeah, go walk through to our walk. flight school. So I mean, you can't tell me yeah. these people, right? Yep, you know. So, so what? How important is security even at these small airports? And I think it's a majorly important because this could have ended up. In a major disaster. Uh, also, yeah, you know, as a pilot, we go through so many, so many certifications and exams and, and uh, checks, per se, with our employers, with the FAA, in order to do this job. But what about the dude or the gal that's fueling your airplane? I mean, we've yeah. all done those walk-arounds, like Rob was mentioning, and we know what's going on out there. And do, are they checked out? Do they, are they all you know, in it to, to be one with the company and do the right thing. And, or do they have a nefarious motive that they just get one day says, you know, girlfriend broke up with them. They lost their dog and now they're pissed off because they got their car repossessed. And, and now they're uh, working at the airport pissed off and they just snap. Yeah. Well, they, they should have obviously checks and balances for obviously the rampers and everybody that's out on in the major airports and stuff like that. But I know for at least the smaller airports, like if you wanted to go work as a line service guy up at, you know, Joe Bob's line service, you don't need checks and balances and stuff like that. You just need to go apply. And if you meet their criteria and pass their interview, you get the job. And now you have access, full access to the ramp plus fuel trucks and all that stuff. So, I mean, you know, the, the, the security for smaller airports is not what it is at the, at the big level. I mean, yes, there is, but it's not, it's not the same. It, let's, right. let's put it that way. It's not the same of what it is at the, the larger airports. Yeah. yeah. And there's good and bad with that too, because, you know, we've, we've talked about this before on the podcast where the beauty of GA and being able to walk up to the runway and with your, 
with your kids and have a handheld radio scanner and listening to the airplanes take off and land and having lunch out there on, on the hood of your car watching airplanes go by. I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, yeah. if you can yeah. share that moment with your family, with your children, with the next generation, even with, you know, if you want to be a mentor to, to you know, have a big brother uh, program and take a kid out there that, that might not ever be exposed to this kind of lifestyle, you know, you're doing a great thing. You're doing a great service. And it's hard to say we need more security and still have the ability to get into that passion yeah. for aviation and have the ability to sit there out on the ramp and watch airplanes take off and land. So there's a balance to be had. The question is, how do we prevent this kind of thing from happening and still not restrict general aviation to the, to the people that really are passionate about it? Yeah. Well, and I know you said it with uh, obviously mental health and pilots and stuff like that, but this is two rampers that, you know, if we're talking about the, the Horizon Air one and the Q400, and then obviously this guy in the, the King Air, they're rampers. They're not pilots, so they're not going through the same, um, I wouldn't say screenings, right? Because I mean, when we go for a medical, which I have mine coming up next month mm. uh, or this month, um, but they're not going through those screenings that we go through. You know, they're, they're going through background checks, you know, maybe a background check. But a ramper and, doesn't know and, how to operate a turboprop airplane unless they are a pilot yeah. of some sort. I told you, you could do anything watching YouTube. Oh, you yeah. Know. No, seriously. And, like they have people, people put post videos yeah. all the time of like how to start an A380 from yeah. flight sim. So if you, if yeah. you can find And then being a ramper airplane, out there, you're, you're around it all the time. So you kind of... You know, if you're if you're out there, a lot of times they're already, you know, have that I wouldn't say geeked out about it, but they're they've got that aviation interest. So they're probably going to, you know, want to learn how to how to do something anyway. So they probably watched the video on it or, or watched another pilot or asked them. So yeah. there's a little bit of knowledge probably already gained. I mean, I'm obviously speculating, but um, yeah, you know, some rampers can know how to start the airplanes because. They may have to move them from the ramp to a hangar or, you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if they yeah. have to like at least power actually, it on to, to move it, to turn off the parking brake or something. Very true. Yeah. One of the fuelers that used to be at a Chandler um, is now a senior FO to us and at, and at a legacy. Um, but <laughs> you know, he was, <laughs> he was, uh, you know, just running around fueling airplanes up. I mean, you'd call top off the fuel. He'd, show up in that little tiny fuel truck and you know climb up on the 182 or the 172 that we had and top off the fuel um and you know here he is now he's a pilot and this guy could if you look at the way he's flying that airplane it looks like he has some kind of stick and rudder um you know experience whether it be a flight simulator or you know real-time flying i mean even mm -hmm. with the seattle incident with the uh I think it was a mechanic that that uh that stole the airplane and you know went for a joyride in the Q400 before mm -hmm. you know killing himself. But you know he's flying that airplane around and he was doing pretty good. I mean yeah. <laughs> some of the stuff he was doing I wouldn't do. Yeah, in an yeah. airplane. I mean, but you know watching that that King Air fly around in that video for a short period of time and obviously it looks like it was just a loop there, kept looping the same um you know 10 second image or something like that but 
it looks like he was doing a, a fairly decent job and he knew how to go around. Yeah. <laughs> at 100 feet. Uh, I was <laughs> watching. I did a better uh... go around than I did in my recurrent. So. <laughs> 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 Should ask him for some. Uh, hey, can I get some pointers? Uh, no, right. kidding. <laughs> no, seriously, though, I mean the, the the mental part of of not only of aviation but society. You know, it's it's a it troubles me. I mean, there's yeah, it, it's not just aviation; it's everywhere. But it's a lot you of know, noise out it, there. It's going to happen. You know, a lot of noise. I miss. Yeah. You know, and and that's yeah. going to create a lot of these incidences are going to happen. I remember reading an article after the flight attendant for JetBlue said, F this job, mm -hmm. I'm out of here, opened a couple of beers, right. drank them, popped the, uh, yeah. the, the one R door, had yeah. the slide go out on the ramp, and then yep. just jumped out of the airplane because yeah. he was sick and tired. And of he did what probably <laughs> well, every what? aviation employee this. wanted to do, and he did it in the most classical way. But yeah, yeah, he, that was a mental thing, right? Yeah, and, and I remember reading that article, and it said that uh, you know we're going to start seeing more and more of these kinds of instances at the at this level in not just aviation but everywhere in professional career fields because yeah. the stress, the productivity demands have yeah. increased so much, the stress level for everyone to be more productive on it, more connected, more you know, just it's it's too much yeah. for people sometimes. Yeah. But think about what we just been, went through with the pandemic. You know, there was a lot of stress put on people, and then you uh, require them to put on a, a face covering and climb into an aluminum tube and sit next to people that you know they don't know, and everybody's under the same stress and duress. And uh, you know that that could drive a person crazy if uh, you're not you know you're not conditioned for it. Uh, and you saw a lot of people literally lose their minds. Yeah. And uh, we had a it was, it was, you know, it was unprecedented for, uh, uh there for were the industry. so many, I wouldn't say fights, but like so many more people getting like YouTube famous because they were yeah. not wanting to wear their mask or fighting an air crew or this, that, and the other, because, yeah. you know, we were crammed in a home for told yeah. to be in a home for so long. And you know, then so whatever out. set that person off is, is, you know, some kind of psychological, you know, they reach some sort of psychological tolerance and then they, they snap and, um, you know, happened to the jet blue flight attendant with the two beers and a slide. Um, you know, obviously it looks like it happened to the C90, uh, person and thankfully nobody's, nobody got hurt. Nobody's dead. Yeah. Um, uh, but the, the, the troubling thing to me is that it's, it's almost undiagnosable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't know when. I mean, like, is there's no real doctor that can sit there during an evaluation when you're going to get your FA medical or something like that, that can say, yep, that guy's crazy, unless he flat out exhibits, you know, all the, you know, the, all of the, uh, the signs, know, yeah, symptoms that, yeah. of, of somebody who's crazy. And, you know, during my recent physical, you know, the only thing they can do is ask you questions. Hey, you feeling okay? You getting enough sleep? You know, you stressed, you know, yeah. you know, how's life? Yeah. You know, you happy? There's you a know? reason <laughs> that the, uh, your FAA medical examiner is asking you these questions. It's yeah. not because he's trying to be friendly to you. Trust me. It's not. Yeah. Um, the reason he is making yeah. this small talk with you is to see how you react. And it's yes. a small part of their evaluation. You know, they, they check their blood for diabetes 
um, and that kind of thing. They're not they're not checking to see if you're smoking hashish or taking pot brownies the night before. They're just oh. checking to see if your blood sugar levels, your 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 diet, if you're diabetic or or something like that. Uh, they check your vision. They check your hearing. Um, if you're over forty, they're checking your EKG, looking at your heart. Um, of course, they're doing all the you know heartbeats, lungs, that kind of thing. Uh, any new tattoos, you got to tell them because they want to be able to identify your body from the wreckage, is what I was told. And so all these things they're asking you, and they're also asking you like how's flying, how's this and that, because they want to see you go. Oh yeah, I got no wrecking to kill nobody. I mean, they want to make sure you're not sling blading it, you know. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> Alex was mentioning he hadn't heard about the JetBlue incident. It happened in 2010. I don't know. What were you in no. grade school back then? I just no. I curious. was I was in my second year in the military. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, I have <laughs> I found a, a little tidbit from that incident. Let's hear what uh, YouTube has to say about this. Is he a folk hero or a hothead? Opinions are divided on the actions of JetBlue flight attendant Steven Slater. Many people, including fellow flight attendants, sympathize with him. That one situation is so annoying why a passenger can't sit in the seat until you're told seatbelt sign is off you're free to get up you're free to get your luggage and and he was hit in the head slater's lawyer agrees so you're trying to do your best to provide safety for passengers and you have rudeness and lack of civility among the traveling public but prosecutors say slater is the dangerous one after the plane landed, the 38-year-old flight attendant is accused of cursing out a passenger, grabbing some beer, pulling the inflatable emergency slide, and going home to his boyfriend. The pilot radioed it in. Can you give me the location of the slides that deployed? Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the uh, R1 slide. It was, uh, it was intentionally deployed. Slater's lawyer says no one was in danger. Absolutely not. He, he, there was no way. There's a window. There's a procedure. There was nobody uh, below that uh, slide. Slater's bail was set at $2,500, but he remains in this New York City prison. Outside Slater's home in New York City, neighbors say he did what a lot of people think about doing, but don't. I remember times when I came home, put my head under the pillow and cried and said, I'm never going back there again. But the next day comes and you go back there. Why? Because you have a job to do and you do it. And um, the, it's nice to feel appreciated for what you do and your job, but unfortunately, that doesn't come with most of the jobs in the world anywhere, I guess. On the other side of the country, out in Thousand Oaks, California, Slater's mother is dying of lung cancer. And friends say the son, mm -hmm. Stephen Slater, has been under a lot of stress. Ted Chaffrey, the Associated Press, reporting from New York. Jeez. That's I'll put sad. a link in the show notes on that. Um, yeah. You know, that happened. Take a look at the one I just sent you too after that because it's a very similar <clears throat> situation. Is it a different? Uh... JetBlue, it's a different situation. JetBlue, where the captain raced up and down. This is from, uh, this happened in 2012. Um, JetBlue flight captain raced up and down the, the, the aisle screaming and pounding on the cockpit door, shouted, First Iraq, oh, yeah. then Afghanistan, now this. Yeah, let me. Yeah, uh, that... Let me. Midair meltdown. Okay. Uh, well, while Tony's pulling that up, we can't also forget about the German wings incident that happened yeah. with mental health. And obviously this new Air China stuff, which they're leading to believe is a uh, mental health uh, intentional yes. plummeting. Yeah. So, you know, yep. it, it's out there. More and more, it's starting to, to get recognized. I mean, 
you got to think you guys were Tony, you were just talking about your schedule of five days, basically. Mm-hmm. Granted, you've got this nice 30 hour layover in, in, yeah, in Maui. Makes right? up for but, it. Yeah. You kind of regroup and yeah. Yeah. That, but you're, you're regrouping from your, you know, basically right up to your legal limit of flight time on day yeah. one. Right. You know, that, that you can't tell me that that stuff doesn't play into to people and how they react and handle stuff. Cause you know, we're people. Let's figure. We're human. You know, we we have yeah. we have feelings. I mean, <laughs> I say that kind of in jest, but it's also very serious. I mean, yeah. we all have battles that we're fighting at home and in life, mm-hmm. and then we're expected to just compartmentalize and come to work and operate at our peak physical and mental capacity to be on it, to be razor sharp. Um, not just pilots, but flight attendants alike. Like you said, um, yeah. it, it's very taxing. And then you add all the pandemic stress and the people being rude. And I think it's like I've said this before: uh, we don't hear the golden rule, you know, being spit out at every single kid at school every day anymore. You know, yeah. do one to no, others, respect your elders. Now it's the opposite. I don't even think my kids would know if you told them, "Hey, what's the golden rule?" Like I don't think my kids would know nowadays what the golden rule is. And this is what this is what. The outcome from that is, is that now that we no longer stress the, you know, respecting others and things as much, we don't have these slogans that are very important. Yeah. There's a reason that advertisers spend millions on jingles is because you remember those jingles for the rest of your life. I mean, yes. I, I'm not that old. I'm 47 years old. I think I'm, I feel young. I feel with it. But I still remember jingles like pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief oh, it is. Oh, what a relief it is. I mean, that's like <laughs> 1950s and 60s jingles or rice yep. aroni, the San Francisco treat. Yeah. See, we remember oh, these jingles. To all yeah. beef patty, special sauce, special lettuce, sauce. cheese, lettuce, pickles, pickles, onions, onions on a sesame seed bun. bun. Mm-hmm. Where's See, the hamburger? I'm, I'm, or I'm, my, one of my favorite ones. My baloney has a he first has name. It's O S C A R. And it also has a second name. It's M E Y E R. Oh, I like to oh, eat, like it to eat it every day. So, and if you'll ask me why, I'll say Oscar Meyer has a way B O L O G N A. So we we have these jingles that advertisers yeah. spent millions on. Why? Because they stick in your head. They're they're great for business, right? But what about the business of our society? We need to have these jingles back. We need to have those PSAs that run on television every day around after school time. Oh, but what's this? We don't watch television. We watch YouTube. We watch Netflix. We watch streaming services that don't have advertising. Okay, that's great. I hate advertising too, just like the next guy. Why does that always have to be louder? But all these... stresses (laughs) stresses <laughs> put them into a person who's just shown up trying to do their job and now you got some rude passenger or rude yeah. co-worker sometimes yeah. that are just pushing your buttons to the point of like you're like f this i'm out of here and that's mm. what's happening now rob you you mentioned this this uh, jet plute pilot i do remember this story i fi- i found yeah. a link here let's just play a little audio just to kind of remind okay. everybody what happened yeah, I don't remember everything, but it, I remember that when you started talking about it. That breaking news word of a terrifying scare at 30,000 feet, a pilot had a kind of deranged breakdown. 
On a JetBlue flight headed from New York to Las Vegas, the pilot started screaming about bombs, al-Qaeda, and telling passengers to say their prayers. And what happened next was an all-American story of courage and quick thinking. Here's ABC's national affairs correspondent, Jim Avila. A chaotic scene aboard JetBlue Flight 191, three hours into a trip from New York to Las Vegas, passengers in the aisle, holding down not an unruly passenger, but the captain of the plane. In the cockpit, his co-pilot radioing an emergency, asking for an unscheduled immediate landing in Amarillo, Texas. Amarillo, JetBlue 191, emergency. Yeah, can you give me a, uh, a more specific uh, nature of this medical emergency so I can pass it on to the ambulance crew? Sources tell ABC News the captain, identified as Clayton Osborne of Georgia, was not at the controls, but began acting erratically, flipping switches in the cockpit and appearing confused. His co-pilot tricked him into going to the passenger compartment to check something out and then locked the door, changing the security code behind him. The, the one that should have all the credit is the co-pilot that was there. He changed the code on the, on the door. He didn't let him back in. A third JetBlue pilot, off-duty and riding as a passenger, slipped into the cockpit to help with the controls. The captain, pacing the aisles now, eventually pounding on the cockpit door, trying to return to the flight deck, starting a panic among passengers. Started banging on the door, kicking on the door, trying to get inside the cockpit. Before that, he actually started yelling, um, it's going to blow up. A flight attendant screamed for help, and as many as five passengers helped tackle the now shouting captain. Some saw him foaming at the mouth while yelling about Al-Qaeda, a bomb, and threatening the plane is going down. He started to curse at me and, you know, try to tell me, hey, you better pray, uh, Iraq and Iran. And so I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to show you what Iraq and Iran is. And I took him on a chokehold. Dave Gonzalez, a former corrections officer from New York, brought him down with a chokehold. I wasn't letting go uh, of this guy until we landed the plane. I was still on top of this guy until we landed the plane. Gonzalez and his fellow passengers held him down, first using plastic handcuffs, but he broke free of those, so passengers used their leather belts to tie his arms, all in plain view of cell phone camera rolling passengers. Upon landing, police boarded, talked to the co-pilot, and loaded the handcuffed captain onto a wheelchair and into an ambulance. It's not the first time airline crews have alarmed passengers. Just this month, an American Airlines flight attendant, who said she was bipolar, was restrained after threatening impending doom over the PA. The plane returned to the gate. Captain Osmond's Facebook page says he has been a JetBlue pilot and trainer since the year 2000, a commercial pilot since 1989. The FAA says he had an onboard medical emergency. The FBI is investigating the incident, and law enforcement sources say early indications are the experienced pilot had a panic attack. His wife, reached by ABC News, says she has not spoken to him but urges patience and asks everyone to remember there are two sides of the story. Diane? All right, Jim Avila, still thinking of the, the using of the, of the belts by those passengers to restrain him. I want to bring in an ABC's aviation analyst, John Nance, who's also a veteran commercial airline pilot. So, John, what do you think of the quick thinking of this co-pilot? It's something we want a co-pilot to do, and in this case, uh, he acted very decisively, and, uh, and it shows a tremendous amount of confidence that his company is going to stand behind him, and that's excellent. And tell me about this screening, because we think back to the flight attendant, now the pilot. What kind of psychological screening is there and does it work? 
Diane, we got we have a lot of screening that goes on when anybody is hired, especially as a pilot, and it's uh, it's very good uh, until somebody is on the line for about a year and comes off probation. But then there's kind of a neural network in which everybody is in effect watching everybody else, not in a I'm suspicious of you form, but in terms of just knowing what's going on. That's one of the most effective methods. But maybe we need to look at ratcheting that up just a bit. But that's still the best line of defense. I keep remembering that some pilots are trained to carry guns in the cockpit. Does that give you second thought That's about right. this? No, not at all. And I'll tell you why. Not only do they go through yet another series of screenings, but there's also a lethal weapon in the cockpit. It's called a fire axe, and it's there for either pilot. So really, a uh, presence or absence of a gun is, is not a material thing. Well, we will be learning a lot more about this in the days to come. Two sides to every story, his wife said. Thank Absolutely. you, John Nance, for weighing in tonight. Now, uh, John Nance is a author and an American uh, pilot. American is in the country. Um, he has written quite a few books, and I just figured this out as we were watching uh, this. This is the first time I so saw fat. this. Uh, Brandon, again, I'll put a link fat. in the show notes. Again, I'll put a link. <laughs> Brandon, you're not fat. You're not fat, Brandon. You're not fat, Brandon. Um, nice ad placement. Uh, yeah, I'll put a link and, in the show notes. that's how it starts. Um, <laughs> probably. Oh, you're so mean. Um, but yeah, John Nance has written a bunch of books. Uh, if, if you take a look, um, Why Hospitals Should Fly, uh, Final Approach, Orbit, Pandora's Clock, The Last Hostage, Blackout, Turbulence, Firefight. I mean, I can go on. This guy's... Uh, written quite a few books, so maybe a good uh, place to go check out some of those books, buy them on uh, Amazon or something, and support this guy. He, uh, he sounds like a pretty knowledgeable guy, um, that aviation expert that was on ABC News there. Uh, again, yeah. I'll put a link in the show notes. But it goes back to what we were talking about. Um, people are people. And I say it at the conclusion yeah. of every single episode that I've had since the very first one of this podcast. Take care of each other. We have to sit there and be kind. I, I fly with people, and I know you, you guys do too. We all do. We fly with people sometimes that they're, they're quiet. Alex was saying he flew with the, the captain and goes, huh? So you <laughs> like stuff? <laughs> that should be the first sign that, you know, continue yeah. to push and continue to talk, talk gently, kindly to this person. Because, again, we never know the battles that the person sitting next to you is fighting right now. So we need to be kind and sensitive and not be an ass to each other. And we need to, if we see something that's a flag, do something about it. Hey, is all, everything good? Are you good? We've talked about the WINGS program and, and EAP and having these phone numbers in your phone for just such an occasion might be important. Call your union rep if you're flying with someone and they're just like a little off or they're a little, I mean, there's no reason for it. If you don't want to be yep. here, don't be here. Stay home. You know, and if yep. you're struggling to the point, I mean, I've we've all have dozens of stories. You, you fly with somebody, and you or you hear about a, a guy who was like, "Oh well, uh, I I messed up in the simulator because well, I just found out my wife is cheating on me and my my kids doing drugs." And it's like, "Whoa, whoa, what are you doing yeah. here? Why yeah, what are, you are you doing here? at work right now? You should not be yeah. here. You should be yeah. dealing with your shit and take the time yeah. off work if you have to." Because although the training environment is a training environment, if you got the thumbs up and no one caught it, and now you're out on the line, dealing with all this baggage, trying to compartmentalize the battle you're, yeah. you're fighting at home, 
and fly an airplane, you're going to snap. Yeah. Well, and so to, to, to the point on that is everybody learns to compartmentalize and, and do so differently, right? Um, I, I, being military, I, I've learned to compartmentalize and, and know how to, when you go on a deployment, like put literally everything that you've got going on in a box yeah. and leave it in that box until you get back home. Yep. You know, no different than than when you go flying. Like Tony, you know what's going on in in, in my personal life right yeah. now. Um, and I'm out here on the road, and it's in a box, waiting for me to deal with it when I get back home. You know, that, and that's kind of what you have to do. But there comes a point when that box overflows into the other box of your work, and you can't handle it. Yeah. And it's it's how you recognize when your box or bucket or whatever you want to use as the analogy, right, gets overfilled and spills into the other bucket that you have. And you you have to recognize that. Yeah. Like there, there's no one else that knows when you're getting overloaded better than you. Yeah. So yeah. And most of us are type A, type A plus personalities where we're not going to ask for help and we're not going to to, to try to seek it when we're in a in a bind like that and that's and that's where i I guess i have the issue is that we won't go ask for help well most men don't you know they don't ask for directions right what's directions (laughs) i know exactly where i'm going yeah well because we we in general in general we as men and and most of us as more alpha personality or a type personality we as men we We'll keep those internal struggles inside, and when asked about them, we'll say, well, I'm taking care of it. Yeah. I'll, I'll handle it. And when we have those in our lives that recognize what we're doing and appreciate us for what we're doing to take care of it without a lot of fanfare and excuses and drama, then those those individuals have the tools and the family and the and the the support to to keep the boxes separated, make sure they don't overflow, and they were taken care of. Unfortunately, there are many of us out there that don't quite have that support, and it's those I think it's those individuals that reach that tipping point that refuse to recognize the situation that snap. I mean, yeah. and, and I see, I don't, I don't think that's a hundred percent true. I think there's support out there, but just in other ways, you know what I mean? Um, and a lot of times, you know, especially I say this a lot to, to some fat people that are going through hard times and stuff. I, I always tell them, look, you don't need to ask. I just need to know, you know what I mean? Um, you know, you don't need to ask for help. I just need to know what's going on though, you know, and that way I can help whatever way I can. But if you don't communicate that, then I don't know. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I don't know. I mean, we have programs in our, in our company and, you know, it takes law enforcement. It takes a lot of of courage to come out and say that. And I do agree with that. And that's, that's, yeah, unfortunately that's, that's where people get hung up. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's not there. It's not out there because it's not helpless. There's always some something 
True. you can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you just have but, to have the courage to I mean, stand up and, and, and use the resources you have, the tools you have, yeah. and don't give up. Exactly. Don't give up. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, that, and that was what I was going to say is, Rob, you hit the nail on the head, though. Is there, there is support out there. there trust me, yeah. there's, there's support for everybody. They have those free apps now, or I wouldn't say free, but they have those apps of like where you can talk to a, a, a psychologist or whatever on, a, yeah. on an app. But yeah. you have to be willing to take that yeah. step to, to reach exactly. out. And that's where the people in, in our profession, like us, uh, those A-type personalities are, that's what holds them back is because uh, then it's going to make me seem weak. Then it's going to make yeah, me- Yeah, they don't want to admit they have a problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and I've, I've gone through stuff in my personal life and uh, my own struggles and stuff like that. And obviously uh, dealt with stuff with growing up, uh, stuff like that that i've seen that like sometimes it takes that that momentary like hey i'm really having this issue like i i need help and you know you have to go seek somebody you have to go talk to somebody uh you know like it's just something that you have to yeah. do otherwise your life is going to spiral out of control yeah yeah we've and, all we've all know, been there i think it, it sucks but you're actually better in the long run because you're going to become a better and stronger person because of yeah. dealing with your issues than you yeah. are if you don't because then you're just going to get weak and succumb and then have issues like this or you know you'll you know get arrested for being drunk on an airplane or you know insert whatever here right like yeah you know like it, it's yeah you'll find ways to cope just, and some of those ways to yeah, cope yeah. are very unhealthy they usually are so the, having oh, that courage 95%. to ask yeah, having that courage to ask. I mean, it's like it's like we learn so much from children. And when you're when you're young and you know something new is scary, but then the minute you do it, you're like, "Well, that wasn't that bad." Yeah. And you got to hang on to that in through your adulthood. I mean, things yeah. are scary. You might not want to admit it, but when you finally get the the ability, the courage or the support that you you want just by asking or saying, "Hey, I got this going on." Uh can you help me out? I've yep. never heard of anyone saying, no, sorry, I'm too busy. I mean, especially in this profession. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing is you, you have to be willing to, to ask yeah. at the end of the day, you have to be willing to ask for help, yeah. you know? And, you know, for anybody that's out there listening uh, to the podcast, that's struggling with something like, please don't be afraid to hesitate to, to ask any one of us, yeah. you know? Absolutely. I know I'm speaking for the for the three of you while I'm putting words in your mouth. No, absolutely. I know that you guys would do you guys would do that, you know, for me as well as you do it for anybody else. Like, yeah, yeah. Just reach like, out to the podcast. You, guys... you find you find us on the website at the end of every show. We 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 tell you where you can find us. Um, and yeah, we absolutely we're here for the betterment of aviation. That's why this podcast exists. We're here so that we can share our stories and the stories of our guests so that we can inspire and encourage and support our fellow pilots out there, regardless of gender, race, uh, whatever. We don't care. All we care is that if you have a passion for aviation, we want to help. And that's what this podcast is all about. So thank you, Alex. Yes, absolutely reach out to us. Um, these are definitely stressful times. We've been talking about this. We have hundreds of pilots picketing right now. Trying yep. to tell that the companies that we work for, please listen to us. Yeah. 
We need better working environments. Please listen to us because something's going to happen. Yeah. If you don't, so someone, uh, maybe, maybe not JetBlue. I hate, I know we did two articles on JetBlue, but maybe <laughs> not guys. JetBlue, but someone, somewhere, <laughs> something's going to bang up some metal somewhere. Something's yeah. going to happen. Gonna, yeah. We don't want that. We no, want no. our careers. We want our companies that we work for to yeah. succeed because when they succeed, we succeed. The profession succeeds. The industry succeeds. We all are all on the same page. We just need to focus that energy to boost each other up and to take care of each other. Speaking of stress, last and final uh, thing that we want to talk about, obviously we're recording this at the beginning of September, 21 years Mm. ago, a very stressful thing happened. We're approaching the 21st anniversary again here of 9-11. Now last year we did a very special show. It was a three hour long show. We interviewed, what, uh, six captains that were flying. Um, and it, to this day on YouTube, one of the more popular videos uh, that have been posted for the Squawk Ident podcast are those independent interviews of the pilots. Um, I mentioned that I saw Hans, Captain Hans, uh, in Dallas at the layover. Uh, he was one of the captains I interviewed 9-11 um, to see what he was doing, where he was flying, how it, was, how it affected his life. Um, and it affected his life both in positive and in negative ways, as I think it mm-hmm. affected all of us. Um, in, in one way or, or another. Um, the interview I did with Bill Evans, another f- just wonderful interview. You know, I'm just getting choked up thinking about it. Yeah. 9-11 was a major event for this country, not just our industry. And we're coming up on the anniversary. How do we honor that without just glassing it over with another national holiday? I mean, the other day they had a national movie night uh, hey, that's great. Do not make 9-11 as insignificant as some of these national holidays that are being created and generated every other day. It seems like there's some kind of national event, national cake day, national you know, grandmother's day. 9-11 is huge. It changed yeah. the course of this entire world. So how are you going to spend the day? Guys, do you have any plans? Are you flying? I'm flying. I'm working. i'm i'm doing actually but hey listen that's a great way to you know honor the day is to be working you know business as usual um Mm -hmm. you know on a day where people tried to to stop us from doing business as usual you know what i mean so you know that's a just good way to go back at you and uh get back to work, you know, and it'd be, I don't know, be kind of cool to be able to be in, you know, like New York or something on that day to go see the memorial, the fountain, what do they call fountain, uh, the ponds. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I forget the actual <laughs> term they use. But those are yeah. very solemn place, you know, you to just stand in the footprint of the buildings there and you're like, yeah. wow, this Alex, is ground zero you, where it all happened. Have you been to ground zero at the museum? Yeah, I yeah, have not. Pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you asked. Sorry. Yet. No. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I know. I've been there. I used to be based in uh in New York. Yeah. So I and I spent yeah. more than a few trips down there, um, just spending some quiet time down there, looking mm-hmm. at all those names, uh, on the marble around yeah. the the ponds, and uh, just looking up and looking at uh, Freedom Tower and seeing how beautiful 
of that tower yeah. is and what it represents. And actually, that's that brings back a good memory too. Is I was just in New York maybe two weeks ago, and you look at the New York skyline, and all the towers that are popping up. Oh, the new ones, yeah, yeah. The new ones, and you know they were all obviously um, developed and engineered, and you know in honor of the the twin towers mm -hmm. that went down World Trade Center. And you look at the New York skyline and it's just, you know, for that moment in time, it's, it's awesome, you know, cause you're like, wow, look, here's where we, you know, look where we came from and look where we are now. Yeah. And it just goes to show you how, you know, nine 11 really, really, you know, rallied up the country. You know, it was yeah. a, the lowest point of the country's time, but it was also the beginning of one of the greatest time of, the, of our country where people just all came together and you know stood behind the flag and um you know got behind you know usa and uh you know everything was was great and it's kind of sad to see you know through all the political stuff that's been going on and things have been going on in the world and uh everything how we've really started to you know kind of go separate ways but i hope that you know it, it doesn't take another 911 to you know rally the country back you know behind the flag because we need it i mean we really need it now i think uh you know I'm probably going off in a bad tangent here but <laughs> but um that's that's the one thing that sticks out of my mind about 9-11 wasn't so much the you know the the tragedy of the situation which was obviously very tragic and you know it's something you never want to experience again but i do i did like the you know the what the how the country rebounded and what you know especially you know new yorkers and stuff like that how they all came together and you know once the country saw that through all the television and and news outlets and stuff like that i think it 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 you had no you know uh, it was it was very easy to get behind them and and uh do the same thing in your own community and um it spread throughout throughout the country and it was really awesome um so that's how i'm going to remember it is just you know we came together as a country yeah yeah no i i have memories of it because obviously um i'm a lot younger than you two gentlemen not by <laughs> much but i'm i was in uh i was a c i was a freshman in high school when it happened yeah so um and my dad was flying the seven five and seven six at the time when it wow. happened yeah so and i believe if memory serves me correctly he got off of a trip coming back from boston a few days prior to 9 11. so wow. timing timing in the wrong direction that could have been <clears> my father right um and, and for me like uh, i i remember that rob i remember the the country just banding together it didn't matter what you were you were an american yeah you know at the end of the day you were american right yeah. that like Yep, we came together as as a country united, not divided, and it it, it sucks to to kind of have that mindset of like we need something like that to band this country together again because right. we're at another low point, and yeah. I don't want to yeah. have a nine eleven happen. I don't want to have a bad event happen. No. But like no. that that the the camaraderie, the the American resolve after after nine eleven was on yeah. par with that after uh the yeah. japanese attacking you know in pearl harbor yeah yeah you yeah, know it, and yeah. what did what did we do like we 
we came and we annihilated no different than same with uh the 9-11 we came and we yeah. annihilated like yeah we yeah we've, the, we've seen it twice people. yeah have you seen it twice pretty much in you know the last hundred years yeah. one was you know world war ii you know after 46, japanese bomb yeah. pearl harbor yeah uh you know everybody went to work and you know rosie deriveter went to work and you know, putting the airplanes together in the factories and everybody, you know, turned in their pots and pans for, uh, for metal so they could build the war yeah. machines and, and the car factories turned into airplane factories, you know, that was huge. And then obviously the next one was what we were just talking about was 9-11. Didn't matter who you were, right. And when World War II happened, everybody went for the betterment of the country, you know, yep. And yep. that's kind of the same thing that happened in 9-11. It didn't matter who you were. Everything at that point went to the betterment of the country. And I think and, the difference between the pandemic and, say, 9-11, World War II, or Pearl Harbor, is that with the betterment of the country or the world, we've been become very divided in our ideas and our theory on what the best way uh, to get through this pandemic and we've we've become the maskers versus the non-maskers the left versus the right and it's it's just become so divided in this country and what it's so hard to do is to remind yeah. people that we all we have is each other we got to take care of each other and we have these tragedies that have happened in our lives and what's the best way to move forward and to honor and remember those tra tragedies and not just make them another day another holiday and that's the, the whole point i think is that yeah. when you honor do something to honor it don't just say oh yeah it's not living, move on like i'll be flying to i'll be i'll be flying that day a pretty long day actually phoenix to la la honolulu that day if my schedule hangs through um mm -hmm. and that's going to be a very sobering day for me yeah. it's always touched me very much i don't know if uh, people have noticed the cover art from the, a year ago uh, on that special mm -hmm. that we did. Uh, that's me, three years old, sitting there in front yeah. of the Twin Towers. Um, yeah. Being grown up uh, in the East Coast like I did when I was very yeah. young, uh, take many trips to, to New York as a kid, and it was always uh, a must-see, the, the Statue of Liberty Ooh. and the Twin yeah. Towers. Um, yeah. And I'm looking at my schedule here. It's pretty... Uh... I just it just dawned on me where I will be, mm -hmm. um, Baltimore. Huh? I'll Ooh. probably be down by Baltimore Harbor, where you know another legendary, you know, event happened in our country's history. Francis Scott Key wrote "Star Spangled Banner," looking yep. over Baltimore Harbor. You know, yep. as the uh, uh, you know bombs bursted in there over I forget Fort Fort McKinley, I think it was. So um, it was either Fort McKinley or Fort Sumter. Yeah, I think it was Fort Sumter. Sumter I think, yeah. Yeah. yeah, sorry, that's old, dusty uh, U.S. history there, but yeah, I mean, that, boom, that's there a you great go. story too. Yeah, like that yeah. that yeah. that whole story of him writing that because the shellacking that they were taking, and yeah, again, the American resolve. Basically, they told they were told like, if you guys just take down the flag, everything will stop. Yep. And throughout the night, and, they got bombed and bombed. And, and you can bombed. go to the Smithsonian to this day and look and almost touch they won't let you touch it but you can see the actual flag really that was there oh, yep. yep it is it is amazing and it's it's uh you know it's under special lighting because of the uv rays and everything mm -hmm. so it's a really dark room but yeah you could see all the 
cannonball shell holes through it oh, and bullet oh, yeah. holes or whatever i gotta check that all out tatted, next, next time I do a DC it's really layover. cool man yeah. so if you get to do the dc smithsonian thing go to the uh museum of american history and i think that's where it is so but that cool. again that that just goes back to the american resolve that we didn't want to give up to the yeah. british and we yep still kept it and up. a lot of I mean, great like, stuff about september 11th in the that museum too you don't give you i can't remember the the last time uh, the age wise i was in new york but i i had to be like maybe 10 11 it, when did titanic come out that's that's what i can base it off yeah of. that was definitely in the uh, 80s <laughs> 80s or 90s so yeah. it was what, whenever titanic came out and the whole country was in the whole titanic like oh because yeah. my dad had it was 1997 uh, like, this was back on the, the the long days uh where you had like two or three day layovers you know oh wow yeah 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 1997 so he had a um, <laughs> he had a layover in new york and then he had to leave and then literally came back to new york the next uh like the following day so my mom and i went with him for like i think it was like five days in new york and one of those days was without my dad and um it had to be in the the late 90s um and the only reason why i remember that is because there was a titanic play that my mom and i went to go see it was an off-broadway play it sucked miserably but <laughs> um the only reason is just because Titanic fever was sweeping the country. That's the only reason why I remember that. But that that was the last time I was in New York. So yeah. Um, so I, you need I to go back. Doing, Pick know, up some trips, that was man. The only building that I never got to go up on was the the World Trade. You know, we did yeah. the Statue of Liberties. We did the Empire State. We, you know, you go out to Staten or uh, to, to Ellis Island and to the Statue of Liberty, and you get your iconic picture of you know the skyline in the background. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. That's where I was when I had that picture taken of me when I was with my mom, uh, three years old. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, paradise. The final uh, article here I'll, I'll quote from is from parade dot com. The most powerful quotes remembering nine eleven on the twenty first anniversary on the upcoming twenty first anniversary of nine eleven. We always vow never to forget. On September eleventh, two thousand and one, almost three thousand people lost their lives during the attacks at the Twin Towers and the Pentagon and aboard United Airlines Flight ninety three. At eight forty six a.m. Eastern Time, American Flight eleven, traveling from Boston to Los Angeles, hit the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. At nine o three a.m. Eastern Time, United Airlines Flight one seven five, traveling from Boston to Los Angeles, hit the South Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. At 9.37 a.m. Eastern Time, American Airlines Flight 77, traveling from Dulles, Virginia, to Los Angeles, hit the Pentagon Building in Washington. And at 10.03 a.m. Eastern Time, United Airlines Flight 93, traveling from Newark to New Jersey, United Airlines Flight 93, traveling from Newark, New Jersey, to San Francisco, crashed in a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Around the country, people paused to remember those who lost their lives on the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks, vowing never to forget. Many find solace in 9-11 quotes and 9-11 memorial quotes. This year, on the 21st anniversary of September 11's tragedy, remember and reflect with these powerful 9-11 quotes. And I'll put a link in the show notes because these are pretty cool to, to kind of look through and read and remember. My favorite from President Obama in a 2011 radio address. 
And that's when he said, Even the smallest act of service, the simplest act of kindness, is a way to honor those we lost, a way to reclaim that spirit of unity that followed 9-11. So as we approach the 21st anniversary of 9-11, think about that. What can you do? What can be said? What act of service, no matter how small, can you provide to help honor those that lost their lives on 9-11? Very important to us as airline pilots and as aviators uh, in the country and as Americans. And we know you're going to do your best, and we're very proud of you for doing so. I know that uh, it's uh, actually pretty scary that we live in a world now that the kids now are just realizing that 9-11, you know, is a thing of the past instead of people growing up through it. Yeah. yeah. Like they just read about it in history books now, which is. Well, yeah. Their thing is like the COVID-19 right now. That's, that's yeah. all they have. But and that was bad too, but it wasn't, it was bad in different ways. Yeah. You know, people lost jobs and, you know, I know people got sick and died, but I think, I feel like that was blown out of proportion too, because, you know, I know, I, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't say it that way, but, you know, people were dying of the flu and everything, you know, you got this monkeypox thing now, all of a sudden everybody's a monkeypox expert. <laughs> it's like, it just happened. How do, can you be an, ex, an expert, you know? And I think it's a social media thing, but I can go off on a tangent that way, but. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go there. I know I will not be getting. You can direct your hate box, mail to you uh, Rob D <laughs> yeah. at. But anyway, uh, I forgot where I was going. I was getting way off track there, but. Well, September 11th is now old enough to order its own beer, so we should all have a beer in uh, memorial for 9/11. And that definitely, I will. I promise you that I will definitely, definitely have a cold one on September 11th and raise a glass. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this episode of Squawk Ident Podcast. I want to just say thank you again to Rob D. and Alex the Pilot uh, for joining <laughs> us today. Alex, thank you so much for your input. Rob, uh, yours as well. Uh, always a pleasure to sit down and talk shop with you gentlemen. And we hope that you enjoyed listening to our flight today. If you did, would you please pay it forward and share this podcast with a friend or maybe online to some of your friends online and just help get the word out that squawk ident podcast is here make sure you subscribe or follow to the squawk ident podcast on whatever platform you're listening on we also love receiving listener feedback so keep those coming you can do that through email or even with an audio feedback via our website at aviatortony.com that's alpha victor the number eight romeo tango oscar number yankee.com you can also help us with the production of this podcast by sending a couple bucks our way you can do that right there from the homepage, and just uh click on the link it's just that easy facebook youtube and instagram users can also find us under squawk in podcast just want to say again one final thank you to all of you for taking the time to listen to these grateful aviators keep the dirty side down out there be safe and take care of each other bye y'all See ya. See ya. Bye. Meow. Oh, God, don't start that. Meow. Yeah. Was that the guard cat? Not carrying that on guard. Meow, meow. Hey, oh. where is he? Where is he? You're on guard. There, there he is. Guard.